Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, and alongside me, as always, is Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, Ricky Whitmer is not joining us, and I don't know why, Dave. Um, <laughs> Ricky loves to talk to text. He loves not to actually texting. I don't think he's ever sent a real text in his mm. life. And that's why I think 95% of his actual texts or actual responses, whether it be on Twitter or through the text messaging app, is just GIFs. Um, because he can express <laughs> himself very clearly in those GIFs. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, GIFing, it, it's a fun addiction, but also it's like a guilty pleasure. Yeah. What Ricky said to us was, so I'm not going to be able to podcast tomorrow. Been waiting for confirmation from my mom and my Aunt Judy says she's free because the family was going to go up to Michigan to visit for their county fair. So somebody's free. They're going to Michigan, maybe. I don't know what's happening. Um, but Michigan... Family obligation. Ricky might be in Michigan. So shout out to Judy. Yep. Um, and this is the Fast Break <laughs> Podcast. Um, but it should be a good time. Uh, we are doing our rankings 1 through 30 for starting small forwards in the NBA going into the 2019-2020 season. But before we get into that, check out patreon.com slash podcast. If you like what we're doing here, if you want to support Aunt Judy, go to patreon.com slash podcast and check out the bronze, silver, and gold tiers. On that gold tiers, you can uh, call in to the podcast and give your thoughts about the NBA or the uh, college football uh, uh, league. College. <laughs> Give it about college football. Uh, you can talk we're about. We're clearly professionals. We know what we're doing. You here. can talk about games uh, with uh, Dave and Ricky on yeah. Too Old the Game. You can do nerd stuff with Rick and Johnny and the Rick and Johnny podcast. And uh, we still have a new podcast coming out yeah. as well. And I think uh, some of our uh, local fans, yeah, might be excited for that. I think so, they will be. You know, a little bit of a tease, you know, yep. Dave. I'm gonna a little bit of a tease. Okay, I'm just gonna tease a little. Just bit. Put it out there. It'll take a little bit. Just tease a little bit, you know? Uh, anyways, uh, after that weird intro, let's get into it. We're going to start off 21 through 30 if you're new to this, then we're getting to 11 yeah. through 20, and then we'll get 1 through 10. And let's start off, Dave, I'll give Ricky's rankings. Yeah. And then you're going to give your rankings. Yep. And then I'm going to give my rankings. I understood it this time. And then you're going to give the cumulative rankings. Uh, so what we do okay, is we okay. assign... Uh, points to each number. So if you are ranked number 30, you get one point. And then we add up all of your rankings and spots, and then we put it into a giant list. So we just give our official rankings or our personal rankings just so you know why each guy ended up where they are. And let's start off with Ricky. At 30, he had Troy Brown of the Washington Wizards. At 29, he has Bruce Brown of the Detroit Pistons. At 28, he has Terrence Ferguson of the Oklahoma City Thunder. At 27, he has Alfonso McKinney of the Golden State Warriors. At 26, he has Kevin Knox of the New York Knicks. At 25, he has Tim Hardaway Jr. of the Dallas Mavericks. At 24, Magic fans are going to be excited. Jonathan Isaac, very uh, very low, I think, in their eyes. Uh, but, but, I mean, he is he is young. He didn't show too much last year. Uh, then we'll go to—they just love him. 
on Twitter. I know you're not on Twitter. You're not. Yep. You're like an old man. I am. They love him on Twitter. Like, I think they die for Jonathan Isaac. What's not to love? He's a long boy. Anyways, uh, we'll talk about that long boy soon. 23, Kent Bazemore of now the Portland Trailblazers, right? I yes, forgot he where is he a trailblazer. Went. He's gone. That everywhere. was the Alan Crabb deal. It was, and that and and Alan Crabb, who we'll talk about. I think no, no, we weren't. We're not going to talk. Or about no, him. was that the Evans deal? Evans. Why am I blanking on names? I feel like this was an obvious. Evan one. Turner. Evan Turner. Evan yeah. Turner didn't get dealt, did he? Yeah, he did. Didn't he? I don't think he did. This is a, this is a shit show. Yeah, it is a shit show. But I think Alan Crabb got moved, and that was the was deal that? that sealed KD and Kyrie. So Alan Crabb died for this. Kent Blazemore is on the Portland Trailblazers, and it was an exchange for Evan Turner. So you're okay, absolutely right. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I didn't know Evan Turner was a hawk, and we do an NBA podcast. <laughs> so much happened this offseason that why the fuck would we remember that deal? Why would we remember Evan Turner being traded for Kent Bazemore of all players? I was going to say, Alan Crabb was way back. Remember, he was on the Nets, you know? Yeah, but he got traded to the Hawks, <laughs> and he got traded because his like seventeen million dollars was gonna like right, not be Torian enough for Prince them. Deal. Yeah, the Torian Prince deal that wasn't gonna be enough for them to sign Get Katie your deal straight. So literally, hang Alan yep. Crabb's jersey in the Ross, uh, rafters up in uh, the Barclays Center because that got you KD and Kyrie. Yeah. Anyways, Ken plays more of the uh, Portland Trailblazers at twenty three. We got there at twenty two. GD Osmond, did I say that right? Jetty Jetty Osmond of the Cavaliers twenty one. Kyle Slomo Anderson of your Memphis Grizzlies. Dave, give us your rankings. All right. At number 30, Alfonso McKinney. At 29, Troy Brown Jr. At 28, Bruce Brown. Got to keep the Browns together right there. Just keep them 29-28. Uh, at 27, Kent Bazemore. 26, Jarrett Culver. 25, OG Ananubi. 24, Terrence Ferguson. 23, DeAndre Hunter. 22, Tim Hardaway Jr., and 21, Kyle Anderson. I like how you were surprised by DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter? Yeah. He's here. He's here. We love DeAndre Hunter. We All got right. we got some new names in there. <laughs> 21 through 30 for me. We'll talk, we'll, I can't wait to go over the old names. There's some great old names from last year's list yeah. because this position sucks. Yep. Uh, 21 through 30 for me. At 30, I have Troy Brown of the Washington Wizards. At 29, I have Alfonso McKinney of the Golden State Warriors. At 28, we have Kemp Bazemore of, apparently, the Portland Trailblazers. Apparently. We have <laughs> Kevin Knox of the New York Knicks. At 26, we have Bruce Brown of the Detroit Pistons. At 25, we have Terrence Ferguson of the Oklahoma City Thunder. At 24, we have OG Ananubi of the Toronto Raptors. At 23, we have Jarrett Culver of the Minnesota Timberwolves. 22, we have Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets. And at 21, we have Tim Hardaway Jr. That gives us our cumulative rankings of the of. Dallas Mavericks. I didn't finish that. I'm, I'm okay with you not finishing that. Give us the real ranking. I didn't want Tim Hardaway Jr. on the team anyway. Uh, at number 30, we had Troy Brown Jr. At 29, it was Alfonso McKinney. 28, Bruce Brown. 27, Kent Blazemore. 26, Terrence Ferguson. 25, Kevin Knox. Interesting one. 24, Jarrett Culver. 23, Tim Hardaway Jr. 22, OG and Anubi. And at 21, Kyle Anderson. My favorite part about these whole rankings yeah. is we have so many new names to this list. We really do. Lots yet, of shakeup in this position. Yet, Kyle Anderson is still 21. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> oh, moved. year over year. Year Ky- over year. Kyle yeah. Anderson last year was 21. Uh, 22 was Torian Prince. He moved up. Uh, 23 was Justice, uh, Justice Winslow, who's now a point guard. 24 is Josh Jackson, who we debated whether he should be starting for the Memphis Grizzlies. We ended up going with uh, Slow Mo just because he's um, he has basketball IQ, yeah. um, where Josh Jackson is very, he's, very raw. 
Very raw, very athletic, though. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe not the best guy off the card either. At 25, we have Damari Carroll, who was actually better, but then went from being a starter to being a bench player. But he's a pretty good bench player now. Yeah, he's, he's solid. Um, then we have uh, 26, Miles Bridges. He's moved up. Um, he'll be talking about him in the next segment. Uh, we have Jonathan Isaac at 27 from last year. He's also moved up. Uh, Mo Harkless, he was at 28. He's now a bench player for the Clippers. Uh, and then we have 29, Stanley Johnson, who's now on the Bucks, right? Or he uh, he signed with some weird-ass team. <laughs> He is on it. I forget where he signed. He signed for like $2.4 million. I believe it's the Raptors. Yes, it is the Raptors. So Stan John's now Confirmed. a Raptor, but he's definitely on the bench. And then last year, our boy Osmond, Jetty. He was, he was 30, and now he's, he's, in, he's, in, 21, he's in the uh, 11 through 20 part. So, he thrived uh, without LeBron James. Shout out for Jetty Osmond. Um, let's start off where I think is probably the most interesting, and that's probably the young guys, uh, mainly being Jarrett Culver and Kevin Knox. And you could also say Terrence Ferguson because he's pretty much the same age as them. Uh, he came out of high school pretty much. Uh, Terrence Ferguson well, he did, he is, did is a, younger uh, than me. Australia deal. Yeah, he, he he came out of high school, went to Australia, and then, and then got into the NBA draft. Um, but he's he was born in 1998. Dude's younger than me, and he was younger than DeAndre Hunter, and we figured that out because yep. DeAndre Hunter was born in uh, May or like May seventeenth, nineteen ninety seven, and then T Ferg. Oh no, T Ferg was May seventeenth, nineteen ninety seven, and DeAndre Hunter's December second, nineteen ninety seven. T Ferg's ninety eight, and then Hunter's December second, <laughs> nineteen ninety seven. Sean reading out numbers out loud. And T Ferg's May seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, so He's six, extremely like five young. months younger. Something like that. Extremely young. So let's yeah. talk about these young guys, Culver, Knox, Ferguson. Who do you think has the most room to move up in this list? Culver, Knox, Ferguson. Um, I'd like to believe that it's going to be Kevin Knox because he was so raw coming out of college. And last year he struggled quite a bit in New York. But I think that was a lot. A lot of that I want to point to the lack of an offensive scheme or a consistent offensive scheme. They had a lot of guys going in and out of that rotation. It was very ISO heavy. So I'd like to see him in in a set where you know there's better facilitators out there and there's some better uh, role players as well, and that ball gets to move around. I think Terrence Ferguson being a like three and D wing is basically like the dude's long. He is athletic. He shot a bunch of threes last year at a decent clip, thirty six percent. So I think that him continuing to grow in that mold is probably the best direction for him. Culver is the interesting one because it's like I don't know how he's gonna do on this team. Yeah, like he has his own talent. I un- I know that, and we rate we ranked him highly coming out of college, but his fit on his team leads to a lot of questions as far as how much room he will have to prosper at during his rookie year at least because you have a semi selfish point guard in Teague, you have Wiggins who is very ball heavy, uh, then you have Cat who needs the ball because he's one of the best offensive big men in the NBA. So you've got those guys around him. And Rocco, who is just, if yeah. you can get that man an open three, it's it's as good as in. Like, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. His opportunity-wise might limit him, and that's why I kind of had him lower on my ratings this year. And the interesting thing, too, is I, I don't really know how Ryan Saunders is going to maintain the rotations, how he's going to work everybody in. But they also have Josh Okogie, who can definitely take minutes away from yeah. him. He was a first-round pick, highly athletic player, um, shot, I think, decently from three, but super athletic. Yeah. Um, and, and a very interesting player. Very so he, strong defender, too. Yeah, so he might he might take some time away from Culver. The biggest thing that I think for Culver, the reason why I put him in, because obviously he's a strong defender as well, mm-hmm. but he is probably their secondary ball handler, and that was the thing that we projected him as, was more of a two-guard, but Wiggins is more of a two-guard than, than Culver is. Uh, Culver's more of that two and three. Um, definitely a wing, but he, he can be a ball handler, and he can be an initiator. How much of a role do you think he will have in that Timberwolves offense, being a ball handler, being an initiator for this team? 
I hope they lean on him a little bit to start the season and see what he can do because this is a team where if everything clicks right and like Andrew Wiggins takes himself seriously, Cat plays defense this year. This is a team that can fight for an eighth spot in that Western Conference, which is stacked. So if you can lean on him early and figure out like how much can this guy carry the load? Look, he was a very good college player. And we saw what happened at the upper tier of that NCAA tournament, where it's just like, all right, you can't carry a team on your back. But mm-hmm. how much can you do when you have amazing pieces next to you, guys who are going to do it with the majority of the scoring, so you don't have to force up bad looks all the time, and you can kind of just be there, be one of the guys to move the ball around the offense swingman style. I think he can do pretty well. I honestly do. It's just, there. I like you said, Saunders has a lot of decisions to make about how to use that lineup and how to keep the ball moving in the right people's hands. Yeah, the biggest thing that I think Culver needs to do if when he is a, an initiator and is a ball handler is just use Cat as much as possible. And that's the biggest thing for him is just going to make sure that when he is you know in pick-and-roll situations with Cat, with he needs to always be driving and attacking. Yeah. He's, he's not good from the outside unless it's a spot-up three. He, he's, he's a very good catch-and-shooter, but he cannot create for himself beyond the per- perimeter. He's not going to be able to shake off a defender uh, a la Luca style, who yeah. we got so much shit uh, for putting him at three, but I don't care because he's amazing. <laughs> um, Culver is not that type of player. Culver is not a shot creator. He's very right. long, and he's and he's very quick. So he can get to the bucket and, you know, Throw throw up a shot and then you know draw a foul and, and, and go to the line. Um, he's very good in in that way of using his body and using his length to his his advantage yeah. and driving to the bucket. And he's also a, a very good passer or at least a, an above average passer for a mm-hmm. rookie at at this age. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how he can work into this lineup as a secondary ball handler and and, and what his usage will be um, for this team. You look at his usage when he was in uh, Texas Tech. Um, it was around 32. It's definitely going to go down. But if he's around <laughs> 25%, um, I think that could be something that could be, tw- eh, I mean, 25 just because yeah. he's going to get shots. I think he's going to be a, you know, a, a fairly decent ball handler or, you know, he's going to get a, a fairly decent amount of looks as a ball handler. Yeah. It'll be around 25%. Is that too okay. high, you think? I think, I think probably 20 to 25 range is, okay. yeah. I think 25 would be high. But I think that's I think it's doable still. Yeah, I mean Kevin Knox last year had like twenty two. I think I think he'll probably get more looks than that because yeah. Kevin Knox wasn't a ball handler. I'm um, just comparing those two guys because they're young and I had Kevin Knox's page pulled up. Um, but let's <laughs> talk about Kevin Knox. You said that you he might actually take a step further in this offense. You had him ranked the highest at twenty, but it's still the same coach. And yeah, largely it's not the same players. You but rolled over the roster. Yeah, you're gonna get more looks taken away because of Julius Randle being on the team. I, I don't see this step being taken. Like, what, what are you seeing in his offseason? What are you seeing in Fizdale's offense that might allow him to take that step forward? Where is this way for Kevin Knox to grow? I'm, look, to I'm looking at it as their offensive system has to change because they have that Julius Randle in there as their centerpiece for scoring on that team. Like, their 4-5 combo of Randle and Mitchell Robinson is massive, and they're going to live in the low post, which I think can give Kevin Knox more of a mid-range outside game because last year he would default a lot to putting the ball on the court and driving in. And this year I think he's going to have to take the outside shots, which honestly his shot at times looked really good, but he definitely lost confidence in it during a good portion of the year. So my hope is that because Joe Sandler will draw the primary primary forward Mm -hmm. guard at that point, I really think that Kevin Knox will get better looks. I'm just hoping that they learn how to move the ball. Like RJ Barrett out there, I know people want to give him shit for not being a like an amazing uh, basketball IQ from his own shot selection, but he can move the ball around as a two guard, and I think that'll help Kevin Knox because 
the alternative was Lonzo Trier, who really wasn't looking to pass the ball ever. It was like, shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, shoot, shoot. Look around. Still going to take that shot, even though I'm triple covered. So like, did you I, say did you say shoot? On I might, that one yeah, for Alonzo Trier? maybe maybe one more shoot, okay. and then maybe I'll I'll think about passing. Maybe time out, and then shoot again. Yeah, I mean the the, the interesting thing is, I, like I don't know what his his great part of his game is. You look last year on catches shoots, he was decent from three, thirty four percent from the outside. That was about four point one a game. Uh, you could say that you know he was very good at pull ups at forty one point three percent, but it was on a very low rate, right? Uh, at like half a half every other attempt. game. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like he was getting probably like one every two games, yep. um, if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, but the part that was bad was him just driving, yeah. um, really. I mean, he wasn't good at, at pull-ups uh, from any part of the floor outside of the, the ones that he took from three. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the shots that he was taking uh, were, you know, catch-and-shoots from, from the field, um, or if, uh, pull-ups from the field yeah. uh, from two-point uh, range. Uh, and he was shooting like 32% on that. Um, he was good around the rim, or at least somewhat good around the rim, less than 10 feet, uh, shooting around 43.3%. But for a guy that's that big, he needs to be yeah. better. He needs to be better at closing out. And that, that's one thing that he was pretty good at college at, was driving and attacking the mm-hmm. bucket and, and, and creating for himself on the baseline. I didn't see a lot of that last year, and that's something that does concern me. I wonder if he does have that motor of if he does get hit in the mouth, if he does get um, you know, push back on defense. Does he have that next level to be like, all right, fuck you, and then take it right back? Because yeah. we obviously saw the big Zion thing during Summer League where he got the ball literally ripped <laughs> yeah, out of his say. hand and oh then slammed on. That I wonder, was demoralizing. I, I wonder what his response is. I, I don't know if Kevin Knox has that next level to him yeah. to be the guy that can you know be physical and, and use his body to create room, create space for himself, and and attack the bucket. I don't know if he has that in him yet, and I saw you know a lot of a decent amount of pull-ups from him last year where um, yeah. I don't think that's mainly his game. I think he's more of a, a driver and attacker. He's still definitely growing into that body, though. That's the, That was a big thing coming mm-hmm. out of college. It was like, oh, he's just like a blank slate. He's long. He's athletic. Like, what can we do with him? He was an okay shooter. His form's not broken. It, it was just he's a good prospect because of his body makeup, and he had all the right tools. It's just a matter of can he put that all together and, like you said, hit that next level. And I think he'll have the playing time and the opportunities because this Knicks team's not looking to compete this year. Um, I just really hope they do something with their offense because that that was the biggest disappointment of all of last year. Where I, it was just watching them just ruin any offensive flow, any mojo they had. Yeah, I wonder, too, I mean, he's, he's not that great of a passer or, or ball handler, but I wonder if he can take that next step as well. So maybe we don't see him driving and attacking more but maybe he can just add something to his game this year i don't think that's gonna happen though um i i don't think that offense is gonna change i don't think he's really gonna be fitting in that fisdale offense so that's why i have him low personally but mm-hmm. obviously it's way too early to tell uh the other guy that we were talking about is terrence ferguson um how do you think he will his game will change not having to play with russell westbrook and paul george he'll have a great point guard in, in cp3 around him He'll have uh, Danilo Gallinari, a pretty good score around him. He'll yeah. still have Steven Adams around him. Do you think his game's going to change at all? What are you expecting? Where can his growth really take uh, take the next step in? I'm hoping to see him take a little bit more control with the ball. Like Last year, he was really just there for his defense and three-point shooting, and he wasn't even an amazing defender. He was, he was above average. Like You're not going to get that Roberson-level replacement value, but you know he was, he was doing a decent job out there, and he hit threes at above league average rate, which is all you can ask for from a second-year player. Uh, who was very raw coming out from Australia the year prior. So I think the expectations were about right this year because they're rolling with Shea out there with him, and all of their draft picks have basically been like, let's take the most athletic, Mm -hmm. young, talented, raw prospect. 
Like, this team is the biggest question mark. I don't know what OKC is going to be because, like you said, they're bookended by two fantastic, you know, above-average starters in Chris Paul and Steven Adams. And everybody's like, well, is Steven Adams going to be on the trading block? If they can ever move Chris Paul, you know, what are they going to get mm. back for that awful contract? And I just see him being somebody who's going to settle in at that, like, 10-point-a-game score level again. And that's about it because I don't know how much they're going to do. I, I honestly expect them to roll with, like, kind of a older Brooklyn Nets look where they were just like, we're just going to run a super deep rotation and everybody's going to get, like, 20, 25 minutes out here because that's what you can do when you have that many young pieces on a team and you need to figure out who are the guys we're sticking with. They obviously know yep. Shea Gilgis is the guy moving forward, but if Ferguson, Diallo, any of those kind of guys can fit that mold moving forward, awesome. This is a year where they can really explore that. Yeah, he had, he had a super low usage last year, and then again, that was just because he was mostly used as a spot-up shooter, as a guy that was Yeah, he's like the fourth know, option in that offense, which it, is absolutely where it should have been. <laughs> well, and I, I don't think that's going to change it. I think he's honestly become the fifth option on that offense now because, I mean, Shea, CP3, Danilo, Steven Adams. Yeah. I mean— You're absolutely the worst shooter out there. It, it, I, I do—I am interested to see what he could— pretty good. I, yeah, I'm interested to see what he could do with the ball in his hands, though, because he is so athletic, and you wonder, like, if he's able to add more— meat to his bones um, yeah. using that 6'7 uh, frame that 6'9 wingspan yeah. uh, can he become a guy that's a slasher as well and, and, and kind yeah. of mold this game out but I don't think he's going to have that opportunity at least this year yet just because of the offense that's, that is around him um, you know, not having the ability to control the ball. And maybe we do see him come off the bench just a little bit just as though he can, you know, kind of possibly run an offense in a way. Because, I mean, he is still extremely young, yeah. uh, 21 years old. He just turned, uh, it says 92 days here. It was May, really, 92 days ago? <laughs> it is. This is this is uh, mid mid to late well, August. Well, he's a, he's a fresh 21-year-old. Yeah. Um, may just seem so so long ago. Yeah. Um, he's a fresh 21-year-old. Uh, but no, he looked amazing at Summer League, which is a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Like, getting to see him live, like, that whole OKC team was nothing but slashing and threes. Like, that's all they could do was dunk and three, and that was fantastic. It was one of the most exciting, like, athletic teams out there. Honestly, the guy that I compare, like, him and OG and Anubi were both really hard for me to place because... I think that uh, OG has a huge opportunity in front of him. Yep. I know he was hurt at the end of last year, and it sucked for him timing-wise to miss out on that incredible run. But at the same time, when I look at OG and Newby and like, here's where he was in college, just an absolute stud. Heartbreak with injury, that's why he got taken later. And then, all right, what can he be? He surprised us as a above-average three-point shooter and really good defender, and it kind of fit the similar mold at Ferguson. But then he dropped off from that in his second year i wonder i'm like can he rise to the occasion now that you know toronto is basically up for grabs you have pascal siakam lowry serge and gasol as like the four guys who look like they're going to carry this team can you be that next piece in there or are you going to get replaced and they're going to decide to roll out you know fred van vliet at the two move Mm -hmm. norm powell over to the three or you know they've got a couple of options in that lineup so i think his is the one that's most most interesting to me as a similar comparison to Terrence Ferguson. Yeah, and it's it sucks kind of for OG because, I mean, he is going to get this opportunity, we hope. Um, but there's going to be more pressure on him where Ferguson can make mistakes. He he can, you know, slack off a little bit because yeah. this team doesn't have that expectations where right. OG and Anubi stepping in to the defending champs. And while they probably don't have those expectations again after losing Kawhi Leonard, yeah. you still are expected to make the playoffs and you're still expected to at least contribute to this team. For Anubi... What do you what do you think his role will be for the Raptors? Because obviously Kawhi was the one last year. Then Kyle Lowry. Yeah. 
Who do you think the number one scorer, a scoring option is going to be? Do you think it's going to be by committee? And do you think he's going to get enough looks to kind of prove himself? I, I think he's fourth or fifth option on this team. Honestly, out the gates. Like, Pascal Siakam, in the games without um, Kawhi Leonard playing, was putting up like 21 points a night, which I, I, I think it was like 21 and six rebounds or seven rebounds, something like that. It was really impressive. And I think they're going to keep leaning into that because he, he just had an incredible role last year and he's learning basketball at such a quick rate that I want the ball in his hands because, you know, he's not going to be Giannis out there, but when he's able to drive at people and he's able to go in transition, he is terrifying. He mm-hmm. absolutely scares the shit out of people because he has good handles for his size and great speed. So I think that it, it's all through Siakam. You still are going to roll with Lowry and uh, Gasol and those are basically your braces and after that, if Serge isn't on the floor, it, you could definitely go to and Newby. I don't know. Fred Van Vliet, same thing. Like he's he's great for that second unit or as a you know come in after a couple minutes and provide an extra scoring punch and spacing. So I think he's a fourth option, fifth option guy. I think he's very similar, but he needs to get his shot back. That's the biggest yeah. thing to me because like he has a chance he could step up and like look as the year goes on if they're not in contention. That Gasol contract, that Serge Ibaka contract, could be pieces Lowry. that can get moved. You say Lowry, I don't think they'll ever move that, but you go ahead and get all the hate from the Raptors fans. That's fine. I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, the weird thing too with Anubi is like you, you bring up the shot, you know, him losing yeah. his shot, and a big thing that he was good at in his rookie year um, was shooting very close to the bas- basket, less than ten feet. Um, it, was, it was about. 37% of his shots. Yeah, he uh, did backdoor cuts. Yeah, it made up uh, 37% of his shots. Um, he was shooting around like 75% of uh, he, 75% on those shots. Um, so he's extremely good at that. But mm-hmm. then, you know, last year uh, went down to, I think, like 50%. So, that, I mean, it totally dropped off about like 15% yeah. there. Um, and he was also extremely good uh, in his rookie year um, when defenders were pretty close to tight to him. Uh, 22% of his shots came when defenders were two to four feet uh, around him. Now, he was shooting 72% on those shots, and that was 22% there. Um, And then we look this year, or at least the past year, 30% of his shots came when defenders were two to four feet uh, near him, and then that dropped all the way down to 56. So I don't know if that's a writing of the ship, because shooting 72%... It's unsustainable. It's pretty impressive. It's unsustainable, but again, maybe they do try to work him back into sets that are just getting him more clean, open looks around the bucket. And he still was around the same when it came to uh, catch and shoot threes. So I I still think that outside shot can be there. I think Mm -hmm. it's just more about finding his confidence because we were we saw. I mean, early you know 2017, 2018, uh, when he was getting consistent minutes, he was fairly good in his role. So I think that. It's not really lost for Anadu because there wasn't an injury. Right. I think you have to look at the one piece that came in. It was Kawhi Leonard, and that's going to take away minutes from him. It's going to take away at least consistent minutes from him because you know if Kawhi's sitting, Anadu's going to get a bump up in minutes. But you know if if Kawhi's out there, it's going to take away time from him. And then they're going to try to at least keep the offense somewhat similar to make sure that Kawhi. You know it doesn't change too much when Kawhi's out there. Now ha- not having that Kawhi force out there, I think that. Ananubi might be able to write the ship. Opens up a lot of opportunities for him. I remember coming out of college, it was him and Karis LeVert. We were both like, these kids, they got something special. Mm -hmm. Give them another chance. Let them come back and earn it. Maybe that's why Ricky has uh, OG Ananubi at 16. I mean, it's it's, it's high compared to us. Well, I mean, that's one thing that when we were going through it, I mean, I had him at 24. You had him at 25. Ricky has him at 16. I mean, I don't think it's absolutely crazy just because he is going to see more shots oh he's got a he's got a hell of an opportunity in front of him um and we we were absolutely in love with him like two years ago it was like 
prospects on the Raptors. It was OG Ananubi here, Pascal Siakam's, you know, mystery name down here, and then it's completely flipped. And the question is, like, OG hasn't gotten, you know, any worse. It's just Pascal Siakam had an amazing year, and he had mm-hmm. a great fit next to Kawhi Leonard and was able to take over when Kawhi wasn't there. Yeah. So I think OG now needs to take his opportunity and see if he can be, you know, that second piece to Pascal Siakam for the future of the Raptors. There's two other young guys on, these, on, the, on this list, Bruce Brown and Troy Brown. Um, Bruce Brown of the Detroit Pistons, Troy Brown of the Washington Wizards. I, 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 let's at least talk about Bruce Brown first. He's more of a two-guard or a one-guard. He, he was starting at times for them Yeah. at point guard when Reggie Jackson wasn't playing or just when he, Reggie Jackson was horrible. Um, what's the expectations for Bruce Brown? Because he did do fairly well in that starting role, and that's why we're putting him in. We pretty much have three wings out there for this Detroit Pistons starting lineup. We have Reggie Jackson. Uh, we have Luke Kennard, and then we have Bruce Brown. Yep. What's the expectation with those three next to Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond in your mind? Uh, I think the expectation is to continue being a facilitator out there from the wing. Like, that's the hope is that, you know, you got a good look at it and a really fair share of minutes and opportunities last year, and he held his own. Like, we don't, we didn't expect the world out of him. He wasn't a top draft pick, but he was a smart player. He knew He knew what he was capable of doing. And he didn't make like those horrible, like crushing mistakes out there that just make the entire team demotivated. So, I think that what he can do is just be a solid piece, move the ball around. Like he, the expectation is this team is getting get, going to get carried by Blake Griffin. Like it's a Blake Griffin, Reggie, and then Derek Rose show. Like he is definitely an afterthought. But if he can give them, if he can knock down open looks from three, if he can make smart passes into the post to Blake and Deon, uh, and Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. that's a huge win for this team because their only other option, we are joking around about this before, is Tony Snell, who, granted, Tony Snell was an okay defender and a decent three-point shooter, but he doesn't have that ability to facilitate, and I think that's what they want out of Bruce Brown with that first unit is having somebody else who can continue to move the ball because Reggie isn't exactly known for his passing ability. Yeah, no, I mean, Reggie Jackson is a black hole of offense. If we're talking about uh, what's-his-face, uh, our, our guy Terrence Ross being the uh, supernova of offense, of, of offense uh, Reggie Jackson is the black hole of offense. If you're new here, I absolutely dislike Reggie Jackson. He's like the <laughs> worst ba- the worst basketball—well, that's why I said if you're new here. Yeah. Uh, he's like the worst basketball player to watch. Um, the biggest thing, at least for— He should be in the big three. Uh, Brett, uh, Bruce Brown, though, is, is just being a better catch-and-shoot player. Yeah. Uh, he shot 27% last year on, on catch-and-shoots. Uh, and with Blake Griffin taking more of a role as a facilitator, yeah. I do want him to see, at least see a step up in that. Um, because outside of that, he was a plus for them. When he was out on the floor, it was a plus three per hundred possessions, and I think when he was, uh, it was the on-off splits was like plus one. So I mean, he was he was a positive out there yeah. for that team. Uh, like you said, a, a very good defender and, and a pretty hard-nosed player. Um, let's jump out at, at Troy Brown. Give us your expectations for him because we were even debating like, do we put Rui here? Because I mean, Rui probably has more potential for Troy Brown, but you are the uh, Troy Brown. Lover here as you're the only person <laughs> that did not put him at 30. Uh, you put him at 29. Yeah, I say big step for me to not put him at 30. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, this is the guy who had to fight to get his own minutes on a team after being a fi- pick 15, 15 last year. Yeah, 15. Just incredibly insulting. One of the worst coaches in the NBA over there. I know it's Sean's Thank you. boy. Sean, you want you want to give Scott Brooks? <laughs> I can't you. wait for the coaching rankings and put his ass at 31. <laughs> I hate that bum. Yeah, so there were a lot of questionable decisions on a team last year for the Wizards who 
you know, lost John Wall and were led by Bradley Beal with basically no expectations. The fact that Troy Brown wasn't getting a ton of minutes and opportunities was just perplexing the vast majority of the nation. And when he did get a chance towards the very end of the season, he only did start 10 games. Um, he didn't look awful. He definitely looked like a rookie. He was raw. He needs a lot of time and a lot of minutes. And hopefully he'll get this year because this is a guy who, you know, came out of Oregon with a ton of potential, basically being the guy who could uh, ball handle, but he was also 6'7". It, it's always that perk of, look, you're you're an oversized guard basically out there. Uh, his outside shooting was definitely not a, a problem because he wasn't even trying to shoot threes for the most part in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just all about gaining into the lane, creating havoc. He could dish out or he would go in for like layup or slam. Like That was his game. He's just a great slashing wing who has good ball handling skills. And with this team now, I don't know what that's going to turn into because, like I said, you're stuck with Ish Smith, Bradley Beal, Troy Brown, and, like, what, Bertrands? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yeah. If he's not getting if he's not getting 28 yeah. minutes a game, 30 minutes a game, <laughs> Scott Brooks, like, your job's gone. Same with Rui. Like, Rui's, Rui, you mentioned we could have thrown him out there, but I'm like, Rui's more of a four. I know Ricky tells the story. He should be a three. Every single time we bring him up. Yeah, so he could be Giannis. But, yeah, well, yeah, Giannis played the four half no, the time anyway. No, I mean, he has to be Giannis. That's the only, that's the only player the that Japanese Rui Giannis. Ha- only player that Rui Hachimura could be is Giannis yep. Antetokounmpo. He's either Giannis or he's a bust. Yep. So, we'll see. But my point being, Troy Brown should have about 25, <laughs> probably 25 to 30 minutes a game worth of minutes. Hopefully he gets a ton of opportunities to ball handle because Ish is a backup point guard, in all honesty, as much as I love the guy. Um... He's got to work on his shot. He absolutely has to work on his shot. If you can't space the floor, you're going to get run off the floor. And here's the thing is the the guys we haven't talked about, Alfonso McKinney, Kent Bazemore, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Kyle Anderson, there's not much to say about them because Alfonso McKinney, as long as he can just stand outside and shoot threes and play be defense, healthy. he'll be fine. Exactly. Be, be healthy. healthy. That's your number one thing. Be healthy for this Warrior team that just needs bodies at this point. Um, you look at uh, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., as long as he can just, you know, not be as long as he can be efficient, he will be a very good starter for them. That's yeah. all they need them him to be is be efficient. Um he doesn't really need to be putting up, you know, 20 points a game or 15 points a game. As long as he's efficient and working off of Kristaps and Luka, it's going to be a win. Kyle Anderson is going to be Kyle Anderson. There's he's like an unsung hero. He's just he's a do-it-all player who plays great defense. He doesn't shoot threes, but like good facilitator. Yeah. Like it's he's good just defender. he's just Definitely. a Swiss knife only arm, knock on him is he doesn't have Jays in his name. Playing <laughs> on Memphis, like you instant downgrade. Giles Almost. Janderson. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring as Jandon Jark. Jandon Jark. Uh, other than that, I think uh, the other guys Kent Bazemore, and and that's a team that desperately needs a three. Let's end on this question. Yep. Kent Bazemore um, or Carmelo Anthony. Who? Because I mean, Carmelo I mean, Anthony last year. Four, Carmelo but... last year was ranked at uh, shit. Was that 16? 18. 18? No, 17. 18, yeah, yeah, yeah. 18 last year was Carmelo Anthony. So, I mean... I, he was ranked I'm, higher than the games played. <laughs> he was ranked <laughs> higher than uh, than Toreen Prince and Justice, Justice Winslow. Um, Yikes. But, no, I mean, Melo more of a four now, but... Yeah. I mean, do you think that he is a possibility? Of playing in for, the NBA this year? For Port- for, it, yeah, do you think Carmelo could play in the NBA this year? I mean... Boogie went down, and it just screams L.A. to me. It to just play the screams. five? Melo at the five? AD moves over. Like, AD constantly whining about not being a five, 
is just like breathing air, man. Like it just happens and we don't care. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think about it. Suck He's just going to have to do it. Yeah. So, no, nah, I think that's just Mello's going to be in we were in golden purple. It's going to happen. Um, yeah. Is there a better option, though, for, for Portland, you think, in your mind? Ken Baysmore? Baysmore or is, is it Honestly, just... I'm happy they moved on from... Uh, Evan Turner? Evan Turner. Like, he had he had an amazing playoff performance, and that will basically be his last standing note on that team. Yeah. But he just was not a good what all-around Rodney basketball Hood? player. I think Rodney Hood might take the job at the end of the uh, by the end of the year. He got a chance. Uh, he was fantastic in the playoffs for them, and I, I think that... You know, he might. They might want to look to him as a guy off the bench, but I'd be intrigued with Rodney Hood. Guy was guy was much better as a as a Portland Trailblazer than he was a Cleveland Cavalier. Yeah. Anyways, let us know your thoughts on twenty one through thirty. Uh, we'd love to hear them. But let's move in eleven through twenty, Dave. I'll start off by giving Ricky's rankings, then you'll give your rankings, then I'll give my rankings, and then we'll give the cumulative rankings, and then we'll talk about the rankings. So many rankings. Rankings. Let's start off with Ricky's 20 at 20. He has Jarrett Culver of the Minnesota Timberwolves. At 19, he has Kelly Oubre Jr. of the Phoenix Suns. At 18, he has Toreen Prince of now the Brooklyn Nets. At 17, he has DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks. At 16, he had OG Ananubi of the Toronto Raptors. If you want to hear our thoughts about OG Ananubi and the way that he can grow his game, check out the 21 through 30 segment because we already talked about him. At 15, we have Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets. 14, we have Will Tetrill Barton. At 13, we have Brandon Ingram of now the New Orleans Pelicans. At 12, he had Harrison Barnes of the I was gonna say Gold State Warriors. Sacramento Kings. That was two. That was bricklaying that was Harrison Barnes two teams ago. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, state though, uh, Harrison Barnes of the Sacramento Kings, and then at 11, Jeremy Lamb of now the Indiana Pacers. Absolutely. And at number 20, I had Kevin Knox. At 19, it's Miles Bridges. 18, Kelly Oubre Jr. At 17, Jetty Osman. At 16, Will Barton. 15, Jonathan Isaac. 14, Toreen Prince. 13, Eric Gordon. At 12, Jeremy Lamb. And 11, and this hurt me, Gordon Hayward. Oof. Because, right. let me just say this, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum are interchangeable at the three and the four. Yes. But just going to get that out of the way. We got yelled at for putting Jason Tatum at the three last year, so we, put, we moved him to the four. And now we're going to get yelled at for putting Gordon Hayward at the three this year. Probably. At 20 for me, I have DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks. At 19, I had Kyle Anderson of the Memphis Grizzlies. At 18, I had Jetty Osmond. Jetty Osmond of the Cleveland like Jet with an I at the I. 17, I had Will Barton of the Denver Nuggets. At 16, I had Kelly Oubre Jr. of the Suns. At 15, I had Jeremy Lamb of the Indiana Pacers. 14, I had Torian Prince of the Brooklyn Nets. 13, I had Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets. 12, Harrison Barnes of the Golden Dallas Kings. And then uh, at 11, I had Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic. And then our cumulative ratings, Dave, give it to us. DeAndre Hunter at number 20. At number 19, it's Jetty Osman. Thank you. At number <laughs> at number 18, it's Miles Bridges. At 17, it's Kelly Oubre Jr. At 16, it's Jonathan Isaac. At 15, somehow it's Will Barton. At 14, it's Torin Prince. At 13, it's Jeremy Lamb. 12 is Eric Gordon, and 11 is Harrison Barnes. Yeah, a lot of guys to talk about here. Um, let's start off first with Kelly Oubre, because he was a guy that came on with the Suns after being traded from the Wizards yeah. um, in the Trevor Ariza deal, and played, played pretty well for the, the Phoenix Suns. I think the one question that Suns fans might have is now bringing in Ricky Rubio that slides Devin Booker over to the two, 
and then that forces either Ubre or Mikhail Bridges out of the lineup. That also, you know, it should have also freed up a spot in some ways because they got rid of TJ Warren. But Mikhail Bridges, uh, most likely now out of the lineup. Uh, why Ubre over Bridges? Uh, I'm going with Ubre over Bridges. While they're both very good players, I think right now Ubre is a better complementary piece to Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton in this lineup. He's someone who good defender um and he can guard bigger guys because they are going to roll with dario at the four mm-hmm. so you need someone who can kind of be a three four tweener depending on the lineups and Ubre defensively is really good bridges also is very good defensively like those are the two guys who basically changed their defensive rating from the season when they're like oh yeah let's give these guys minutes and look at their defensive rating switch completely over when that happens so i like i like both of them for their defensive ratings I think it's going to end up being Ubre because right now he's shown that he can carry more of a scoring load than Bridges. Bridges shown he's just right now a spot up shooter in his role, which is fine for you know first year player. Mm-hmm. So I like Ubre's upside. I just think the man has a uh, just a mile to grow in basketball IQ. Yeah, and you look at Ubre. He did not. He started twelve of the forty games he played in Phoenix, and I think Bridges started like fifty eight of eighty two or whatever like that. But Ubre was just a better player out there. He was he was not as efficient as Mikhail Bridges, but he was putting up like 17 points a game, um, and he was moving the ball around efficiently, and he was playing good defense. Like mm-hmm. the, the the basketball uh, IQ is not there, but I think if you take the ball out of his hands a little bit less, and you are setting him up more mm-hmm. by using Devin Booker's uh, passing ability in in some ways. I mean, and he's now not you a got great Ricky passer, Rubio. He, he just pass it, and then obviously Ricky Rubio, uh, the guy that went above Steph Curry for his passing. Um, <laughs> There, it might help yep. Kelly Oubre just be more efficient out there and get better looks. And mm-hmm. I, I think Oubre, I think, deserves that shot just a little bit more because when we, we were talking about Bridges, we were like, this guy's going to be an NBA player for years, but mm-hmm. he, he might never be great. Right. And I think we, we kind of pegged him almost like Danny Greenlight. Yeah. And I think we kind of saw spurts of that last year where he had some pretty good games. I think he, he had a couple games where he was over 20 points per game, but there was other games where he was just not worked worked into the lineup and into the offense just due to where he is limited, not being the best ball handler, not being the best driver, um, not being the best shot creator for himself. He is fairly limited offensively, where Ubre showed last year that he can add that pop to this mm-hmm. offense. And if you're not using Aiton like they didn't last year, you're going to need scoring from somewhere else than Devin Booker. And I was talking to... Uh, Somebody on Twitter, it was uh, Negro Damas. Um, he was saying that Devin Booker can now score 30 points per game for the Phoenix Suns. And I, I don't know about that, but if he's getting better looks from Devin Booker and, and Kelly Uber is taking off some pressure, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, but... if he shoots, ba- if he gets back to where his average three point percentage was, mm-hmm. it would have been probably close to 30 points a game. Like, so that's the thing. I, I was just throwing it out there because when he first said that, I was like, what the fuck? Um, I, but, here's but, the interesting but, thing is Uber could be interesting. Yeah, both the guys that uh, the Wizards let go last year. And Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre both had more success on the team they landed on. Yeah, it's almost like the Wizards fucking suck. It's almost like Scott Brooks is a horrible coach. God damn it. Like, they didn't sign anybody. They let everybody walk. They they literally made, like, two signings this year. They did not make their team better. I'm sorry. Um, I set them up, but you knock them down. We already talked about the Wizards. And <laughs> I don't understand what they're... They spent more effort trying to get guys to sign players than actually trying to sign players. And I understand you fired Ernie Grenfield, but they were like, oh, we're going to spend half of our offseason trying to poach Masai Ujiri away from the Toronto Raptors and Tim Conley away from the Nuggets. Like, why would they want to leave? Why are you being so stupid? Like, you aren't being the Knicks or the Lakers. Like, this isn't like a storied franchise. You're the Wizards. Yep. You haven't done anything. Do something. Anyways, another interesting player. We can just go right into the uh, the Denver Nuggets. You were saying that Will Barton 
somehow landed at 15. Yeah. Want to talk a little bit about Will the Throw? I just feel like Will Barton always feel uh, I always had like this mentality that he was better than his stat line said. And then I know last year uh, he wasn't able to play the entire year, but mm-hmm. it comes down to like, are you still good enough to stay the starter on this team that is super deep, has a ton of young potential players? Yeah. And like, I easily see Malik Beasley being able to step in and take over that role. Um, and that's just like literally the first name that pops in my head. Imagine if Michael Porter Jr. learns, you know, to stay healthy mm-hmm. and not get broken every eight months. Yeah. Like that, then you have another good problem to have. But Will Barton is a guy who just. He's on an interesting contract, and I don't know if he is going to live up. Yeah, that contract right now, he's got three years left, a player option in 2021, 2022. He's most likely going to accept that. He's going to be making $14.6 million that year, but he's got 12.7 this year, then 13.7, and then uh, 14.69, like I said, on a player option. The other interesting name that you didn't bring up there, but like you said, a lot of interesting guys like Beasley, like uh, like Michael Porter Jr., mm-hmm. um, Bobo's definitely not playing the three, but he's he is he a could. young player. Um, the other guy is Jeremy Grant, and that was yeah, the thing is I think the huge. biggest thing that comes down to this is if Will Barton doesn't play good, they have the guy to replace him in Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy yeah. Grant was a guy who played the five for OKC last year. He does everything, but he found his three point shot, and he found his three point shot with great playmakers in in Russell Westbrook and, and, and a great scorer in, in Paul George. Yeah, and now you have the king of playmaking in Nicole Jokic, and you have two good passing guards in uh, in Gary Harris and Jamal, Hur- uh, Jamal Murray out there. So you assume that Jeremy Grant is not going to take a step back three-point-wise. So if Will Barton, if they do start him just because of his contract and what he was able to do before for the Denver Nuggets, if they do start him and he goes out and does what he did last year of being inefficient, 40% from the field, 34% from three, if he does that again... We might see him get knocked out of the starting lineup, and I, and the, I think the reason why they're also going to give him another shot is, like you said, dealing with injuries, missed half the season, yeah. so maybe he wasn't fully healthy there. But if he is not able to fit in there, they can fill in that spot perfectly, and this team will need that because this team might have one of the better starting lineups in the NBA if they're able to figure out this position fully. And then whether that be Will Barton, which it can be, or Jeremy Grant, or some of the, these young or players. Or Beasley, or Torrey Craig. Yeah, you know? this could this could really be the, the final piece to this Denver lineup that could become uh, one of the killers out in the Western Conference. Yeah, no, I, their team is so fucking deep and so, so good. loaded. I love it. So good. And imagine if Michael Porter Jr. is healthy. Imagine if Bobo is healthy. How are you stopping it? Because then you have Monta Morris coming off the bench, who literally doesn't turn the ball over. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's insane how good this team is. And now, after this next year, they're going to have Paul Millsap come off the books. And that's like $33 million free for them to add to this team. This is why I'm in love with Denver. Like, I understand. We're, we're talking about the, one of their, their their worst starter right now in Will Barton. And we're yep. like, this could just change their team yeah. drastically. I mean, if he's he a guy who's putting up 15 points a game on like 37% shooting the year before. He, he definitely took a step back. And mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, where's the meeting? Because he had built up. It was like. I think it was like a 9.10, 11, 12, 14, 15. Yeah. So like he's building himself up, getting a bigger role. But I really think the progression of having a point guard who is truly emerging for that Nuggets team, I really like Jamal Murray a lot. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot. Um, he's just such a good fucking shooter out there. So I think that him taking over is half the reason that why the numbers won't be there for Will. And the other half, like I said, is if he's just inconsistent with his shot, he's going to get walked off the court to yep. that second unit. And Will Barton last year was at 11 and went down to 15. And I was surprised looking at my my rankings and your rankings and even Ricky's rankings. Ricky, Ricky only had him at 14. Yeah. Um, I, you had him at 16. I had him at 17. 
Um, I was still surprised they ended up at 15. So that was that was one thing that was kind of shocking. Smack to dad me. in the middle. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Will Barton though. We we still love him and and him yeah. coming off the bench. You know that could even kind of unlock his game a little bit more if he if he doesn't have that starting pressure and if he's going up against twos that might make their bench even more deeper and like literally more deeper like literally this team's disgusting yeah uh, let's move now to I think a guy that will stay with younger players in some way we were talking about Ubre Barton's not young but I do want to go into a horrible transition into Jonathan Isaac I should probably just say the guy that's in the middle of them Will Barton yep. at fifteen Kelly Ubre at seventeen Jonathan Isaac at sixteen what am I missing? Jonathan Isaac is ready for a blow-up. This kid is about to be a stud in this league, and I don't know why y'all are sleeping on him. I'm not sleeping on him. Yeah, I'm at 15. Yeah. That's sleeping. Is that? Sleeping. Is that for a guy Dave, who couldn't get double-digit points? Dave, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. He's an incredible defender. Here's the thing. When you're talking about when you're talking about the NBA, yep. if you don't have them in your top five, yep. you're sleeping. Oh, okay. Even okay. if they're a bad player, you're sleeping. Then I'm sleeping. Yeah, you're sleeping. Um, look, he is huge. He is long. He is a great defender. Absolutely great defender. Insane defender. Um, he guards fucking three through five. And I've even seen him match up on twos and hold his own. I could see him guard once. I, I, I'm I not getting there yet. I, his footwork might not here, be. Here's the thing. Ben Simmons is a one. Ben Simmons is a one. So he can guard Ben Simmons. <laughs> okay. I'll asterisk that one. Um, I'm going to give this guy as much gas as possible. He, he he has potential to be a very good player. Mm-hmm. He needs to get a shot down. He can actually yeah. ball handle decently well for a man of his size. Uh, like definitely above average for anyone in his height mm-hmm. bracket. Yeah. The question for me is just that shot because he has had stretches where it looked really good. Like I was all over him summer league last year. I was like, this kid is a stud. He's gonna be great. Look at him out there clowning on these kids. And then during the season, obviously he was only able to play in seventy five games. Um, but like the thing with that team was, you know, they were rolling out without a true point guard, but at the end of the day, their, their defense carried them and that's got, that's what got them a playoff spot. And I expect that to put them in the contention for a playoff spot this year in the East. I just don't know offensively if he has made the step to be an efficient shooter yeah. because that's a massive step well, for him to take because he was shooting pretty low. You're, you're absolutely correct there. And that's the, that's the part that is going to be kind of the 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 crux of whether he's going to take a step up um i will say on zero dribbles on, on those shots he was shooting around like 43 percent um and, and and from three it was like 33 percent which is which isn't great but we also have to look at that was pretty much his rookie year last year i mean the first year he wasn't fully healthy played 27 games started 10 only got like 19 minutes in those games last year he nearly played 2,000 minutes so last year was pretty much his full like rookie yeah. year and I do wonder if he's able to do that. His stroke is 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 nice as well. Like it's not a broken shot. Like yeah. it's not an ugly jumper. He's got a nice jumper. I think if he's got more consistency in an offseason to work on that, he can get it to league average. And if he's league average there, that's gonna boost his field goal percentage. He could probably shoot like 45, 35, and he's a decent free throw percentage free throw shooter. And I think really the biggest thing that might unlock his entire offensive potential mm-hmm. is if Markel Fultz is there and we know what Markel you Fultz can name. do as a passer. I'm just saying as a passer. I'm not even saying as a scorer. If they use him cutting to the basket because he is so long and he could be such a big receiver and he can use his body at the rim and he yeah. is a fairly efficient free throw percent shooter. And if he's able to unlock that and just put up like 13 points a game, 14 points a game, maybe even a little bit lower than that, but mm-hmm. just efficiently – with the defense that he plays, 
I honestly think that he's going to be an absolute stud. I mean, he had a defensive rating of like 106, and he had an offensive rating of 107, which is fairly decent. Yep. And if he gets that up to like, you know, 113, and then I think he could probably get that back down to like 104 defensively, I think he can be an absolute two-way stud for this team. And maybe he's not going to be a, a star in any way, but I think he could be one of the best two-way players in the league with the potential that he has and the size that he has. Now, it might not be, you know, this year that he turns into that two-way stud, but I think we might see the next step for him to take the, you know, to come closer to that level um, this year. Because I, I honestly think that Jonathan Isaac has everything that he needs in place to put it forward. I think he just needs that time to do so. And he got this offseason, and now he'll get this this full entire year if he stay healthy, yeah. if he stays healthy to do that. I'm in love with this player. I look. I agree. I love him a lot. I'm just hesitant because I've fallen in love with these guys who play incredible defense and can't shoot before. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember how high I was on Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah, but Michael there was Kidd Gilchrist dude. had the worst ugly look, like most ugly looking shot ever. Yeah. Jonathan Isaac can shoot. Like he, yeah. he was shooting like 81 percent from from the line. He was a decent shooter in college. Like, yep. I do think that the bones are there for Jonathan Isaac to become oh, yeah. a decent shooter. No, I, I, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I've become more hesitant on guys who are so lopsided in their gameplay. Mm-hmm. And like, look, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a stud. I don't know if he's ever going to shoot 45% from the field. And that's why I'm hesitant to give him that. The fact that he's taking the shots, I'm happy, though. I think though. he could shoot 45% from the field. He just needs to work it, on a shot selection. Well, the well, problem think- is right now they're, they, they went back in on Vucevic, which is a good thing for them because they stuck with Bamba as a uber raw center and Ken Burch, like that would have been a problem because then you lose your spacing. Vucevic at least gives them spacing at the five and he can still drive and go with the basket. I'm fine with that. And that, that will definitely help out his shooting percentages. It's just the question of, uh, you know, you've got Aaron Gordon, you've got Vucevic, you've got Fournier taking mm-hmm. all these shots. Like, am I wrong saying he's the fourth option? And then if you're saying if Markel Fultz can play basketball, like, well, if if Fultz can play basketball like Fultz, then yes, he's the fifth option. But I don't think Fultz is going to be that Fultz. I think yeah. Fultz is going to be more of a facilitator. And the other thing too that you mentioned about those three guys and, and Fournier, uh, Gordon, and 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 Vucevic, yep. they're all decent outside shooters. And yep. at worst, that doesn't mean that Jonathan Isaac needs to be a guy that's getting three shots to four shots from the outside of game, mm-hmm. he can be more of that. those guys that are playing off of their perimeter game and driving to the bucket. We saw that a lot. I think if you look back at the, uh, the his, one of his better games uh, last year mm-hmm. um, against the Pelicans, they were heavily using him inside the arc. And he yeah. would start off from the outside, but then they'd totally slack off of him. He'd get that you know third pass, and then he'd be driving and attacking the rim. Or they'd clear out the entire... Uh, lane for him mm-hmm. and then dump it inside for him and he'd have a three on him and then he'd be you know yeah five inches taller than yeah i'm sorry what, what, when you're like seven feet tall at the three you've got an advantage and, over people and if they have an athletic point guard like markel fultz to run the uh transition yeah he is so long and so quick and such a big receiver that they can toss it up to him and lob it into him like i think there's a lot to for him to grow in different ways that's not just, you know, in the half court. Like oh, I, th- yeah. I think that he can really create his own offense, dribbling the ball. Like you said, he's a de- decent ball handler. Yep. If he ju- starts to jump lanes, I think he can, he can work out that way. And also, too, I think that Fournier might become less of a need for them. And I think that he he's might gonna have like a block and a, a steal bit. a game too. I mean, yeah. like he was just below that this year. His first year, he did have 1.2 uh, steals, 1.1 blocks a game. Like he's long. He's incredibly talented defensively. I'm just waiting for the like, shot to get there. Can next year he put up a line of like 13, uh, seven, probably 13, 6, and like 1 
and like one block one steal yeah i think that's probably where mm-hmm. i've got him pegged at my big question is like i said back to the point guard situation yeah. if you're riding all your thing on have we truly found someone who can carry the weight as a point guard? Or is DJ Augustine? Or is DJ Augustine still going to be the hyper-efficient, you know, backup point guard but starting role? Yeah. So that that's where I've got the hedge in my bets. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we were ranking defenders, I think, like, for, for this position— He's 15. Get off my back. No, but, but I'm saying, like, if we were ranking <laughs> just defenders alone, he'd probably be three on this list. He's pretty good. Probably behind Jimmy and, and Paul George, and people could probably make the argument that he might be better than Jimmy. Um, but he's definitely he not better than Paul George, um, at least defensively. Like, yeah. But he's he's top five in this position defensively. Yeah, and if he's able to unlock himself and get up to where no, once you he know, starts putting put on muscle, what's it? Once he starts putting on muscle, insane. I mean, I, the, get out the, of here. The, the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah. Um, let's move to another young guy in, in Miles Burgess, kind of in that same range, too. Uh, we were talking about 15, 16, 17. Let's talk about the 18th guy. Uh, Miles Bridges is now probably going to be unlocked a bit. Now with Ke- uh, Ke- uh, Kemba Walker being gone, yeah. um, they want to see him more as a playmaker. Do you think that's in his game? From college it was. He, w- he was able to be like a third playmaker on that team. I don't know that he's actually going to be a playmaker at the NBA level. Um, I would be surprised. Honestly, I think that he is he's a highlight reel of dunks right now. That's all we've seen out of him. Beyond that, meh. He can take some open threes. He's not a great shooter from the outside. He really just dominates because he was more physical and athletic than a lot of guys. So as a cutter, as a slasher, that's where Miles Bridges excels. And I don't think that he's really going to give you a lot as a uh, point forward. That, yeah. that that's not the uh like role that i first see him in i i the one thing that i loved about miles bridges was you know we look at his freshman year uh in, at michigan state and then going into his sophomore year the biggest knock on him was his free throw shooting mm-hmm. and he worked on that a ton and he went from 68 percent to 85 percent and i think that he does have that work um, worker in him yeah where you know he might not be a point forward in the way of he's you know dropping like five assists a game but mm-hmm. In college, he was near three, and I think that he could do that if he gets more of a usage. And not having Kemba on that team, I think we might see his usage jump up at least 5% to where he's not at 15, he's at 20. And maybe he's not just seen as just a driver or a cutter. He might be able to at least use himself from the outside, from the perimeter, and create his own shots because he was able to do that a ton at Michigan State. He would usually attack from the wing and you know drive in, cut up, step back. Um, he was a very crafty scorer in, in, in college, and I think that we haven't seen him with the ball in his hands enough to do that. Yeah. So I think we co- fully can't write him off as a secondary ball handler or a, or a treasury ball okay. handler. Um, and, I, and I really do wonder what he can do with the ball in his hands because I think he's more confident with the ball in his hands. And I think, I think you know, being just a spot-up guy wasn't really his thing, and I think now not having that other star on the team because it's really just – Terry Rozier now, and you could possibly throw out Malik Monk. Um, yeah, Malik Monk's like, a bonehead, and I love him to death. Yeah, this team sucks. Um, <laughs> they're they're to put be it bad. frankly, they're so be bad at basketball. I, I I wonder if Miles Bridges, with a higher usage, can step it up, and I, I think it is possible. Um, yeah. They just wonder. I just wonder, will they actually give him that opportunity? Because I know that um, I want to say Mitch Kupchak, but he's the GM. Um, it's it's not Steve Clifford because he's the Orlando Magic coach. He is um, James Borrego. There we go. Yeah. I wonder what Borrego will actually look like or look to do now. Not that he now not now that he doesn't have to just fully soak us on. Let's give Kemba the ball. Well, because Kemba didn't need the ball. That was their only way to win games last year. This yeah. year, it's the Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges show. He now has a 
cleaner slate, and yeah. I wonder what he can do with these talented guys like Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, and uh, Malik Monk. And I think the best way for Malik Monk to grow would be seeing him with the ball in his hands more. Because maybe oh, he won't be more of a distributor, but I think he will be at least more of a creator for himself. Yeah, um, no, I, I did like what Bridges showed us, though. In the 25 starts he did get at the end of last year, um, he was putting up uh, just shy of 10 points a game on 49-35-83 split. So, like, you can't really complain about that. And if that's what you're hoping for out of him, is that he just keeps to grow in that fashion, take a couple more threes a game, maybe. He was taking three a game at that point, which mm-hmm. which is solid, which is solid. Um, but he's a, he's a good rebounder. He's a good defender. Uh, I I just want to watch him. Like you said, if you jack up the usage, you know that high free or that high field goal percentage is because you know I guarantee you the number of shots within three feet of the rim is going to be pretty damn high because that man was just like I said, he's a highlight reel of, of dunks. It was awesome, and yeah. that's the same thing I saw out of him at summer league as well. It's just he's incredibly athletic. He will he looked like a grown ass man out there next to kids, which. To be fair, he is like four years older than a lot of these guys, but no, he's not. He had three years. He's like twenty-two. Yeah, he's twenty-one. March twenty-first, nineteen ninety-eight. Okay. Okay, he's so he still Ter- twenty-one. He's in the Terrence Ferguson range of age, my guy. All right, um, all right. It just it just looked like it then. Yeah, I mean, but he he was extremely efficient with his big body. Fifty-two um, percent of his shots last year came less than ten feet uh, of the rim, and he was shooting around sixty percent uh, from there. And I think the biggest thing is just him on pull-ups and just being able to show what he was in college because he was yeah. he was pretty efficient when it came to you know pull-up twos and, and pull-ups from the elbow um and i don't think it was really the clearest of lanes that he was working with as well i don't know if they're going to see that type of floor spacing that he will need yeah because he did he was playing with a lot of shooters outside of nick ward at michigan state um but if he's able to find some space i think that he will be able to take defenders one-on-one and i'd at least like to see him prove that uh throughout 82 games Let's now move to some of these familiar names. And I think the one most intriguing name for me is going to be uh, Jeremy Lamb. Or not, not Jeremy Lamb, I'm sorry, uh, Torian Prince. I, I, I was looking at 13, <laughs> not 14. Uh, Torian Prince. Jeremy Lamb also moving to a new team. But I think yeah. Torian Prince moving to the, the Nets and finally being healthy might be able to unlock him a bit. Because this was a guy that was looking near, like, you know, next-level stud. I'd say he's definitely an above-average player. And that's the thing. Like, he can do it all. He is one of those, like... Uh, multi tools, you know, what, what do they call those? I don't even Swiss Army knife, Swiss Army knife, and I yeah. said Swiss knives, Swiss knives, that's not what it was, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like he, he can defend, he can, he can score, he can facilitate, he's a decent rebounder. Uh, shooting wise, he's fairly efficient, he's like stud 39% last year, does everything he needs to do. And that was on a team where, you know, to be fair, teams did have to guard Trey Young somewhere, in, you know, around the logo. So he might have been getting some decent looks from Trey. Even then, he was before Trey. It was thirty-eight okay. percent. So I mean, it wasn't. It no, wasn't, I got you. I got Trey you. gave him a point five bump. Okay, um, but no, he's got a great opportunity this year on the Nets because no KD means guess what? This is your year to go earn a contract. Basically, if you can come out and play here, oh, dude's going to be getting offers because it's going to be a super weak uh, class for offers anyway. I think that he has got a great opportunity this year because this Nets team looking for the playoffs anyway. And if he can step up behind uh, Karras and Kyrie, that that's fantastic. That's a win-win for everybody. And the contract right now he's on, bargain. Yeah. Obviously still on that rookie deal. He is still on that rookie deal, which is which is going to be uh, interesting to see what happens because he's not going to be a net after this. Yep. Um, that's for sure. So, I mean, we're going to see uh, contract touring Prince uh, play his ass off. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, any other guys that you do want to throw out 
um, that could be intriguing. DeAndre Hunter did make it into this list. Do we want to talk about him who replaced Torian Prince? Uh, sure. I mean, it's just he, he's going to be okay in my mind. Like, I, yeah. I had him, I think, the lowest, right? Yeah, you had him at 23. Ricky put him at 17. I put him at 20. Yeah, I, I just think he's he's an okay player. He was highly touted coming out of college because, guess what? He was an older college player who could shoot threes and play okay defense in one of the best defensive schemes in college. So the expectation is that he's going to come into the NBA and do the same exact thing. I think that's probably to be expected. Like The, the Hawks were a terrible, uh, terrible defensive team, and they just get better spacing and add another good defender out there. Is he a better defender than Torian Prince? Physically, I think they're comparable. I think that I would give Hunter the edge, though, uh, coming out of college, and I, I want to see how much his game translates to the NBA still. So I, I'm being relatively cautious on this one because, look, you're, you're, you've got a lot of wing wing to cover out there, basically, because John Collins is not going to defend anyone. So 3-4, you're going to hope for the best. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing with Hunter, too, is I wonder if he can be any wood of a secondary ball handler. Um, he didn't show it too much in college, but he did show the ability to be kind of like a mile, what Miles Bridges was in college, yeah. uh, taking defenders one-on-one, especially in that national championship game. Ooh. I loved what he was showing there. He did um, play up. So I wonder, just because they really don't have a secondary ball handler, it's really just Trey Young, will they rely him and him at all to do that? Um, Herder really doesn't have that to his game. Um, and then we look at the four and five. It's Alex Lund and John Collins, and, and those guys need the, need someone to feed them the ball and set them up uh, to to be massively efficient. So I would say I, I think DeAndre Hunter will probably be here next year, but he can definitely take a next step up. Um, any other guys that you think we should talk about or hit here? <sighs> I would say the only other guy, and I don't know if we're saving it for the next segment up, but the Harrison Barnes position on this one, because that one... No, yeah, Barnes is, Barnes I feel is like, in this list. Let's talk about I him. feel like he's a very good player, and him coming over to the Kings solved one of their biggest problems, which was they couldn't defend wings. Like mm-hmm. Any any above-average wing could have used the Kings last year because Bogey's really a two, and they had to play him out of position at the three, and they had so many interesting lineup things. And this year, Harrison Barnes, you saw him rework his contract in the offseason... Uh, to get some extended length out of it, and I think he chopped down his top end price by a couple mil, right? So I think he went from like twenty seven to twenty five or something like that. Um, Maybe I'm making up numbers. I'll check out. Sean will spot check me. But yeah, he's a really good player, and a lot of people still remember him just for shooting up bricks at the end of Golden State's uh, first reign. Yeah, it's front loaded. So it went from twenty. Uh, I, I don't remember uh, his previous contract uh, was uh, about. Mm, okay, doesn't show me. Uh, it shows it shows me last year that he made apparently 15 mil from Dallas, which doesn't make too much sense because I think it was higher than that. Um, but he was he signed a four point four years, 85 million dollar contract with the Kings. He declined a 25 million dollar option with the, the Kings. Uh, he's making 24 this year, then 22, then 20, then 18. So he oh, really nice front loaded the contract. Yeah, so he did a good guy thing, front loaded his contract. And for when they have to pay De'Aaron and Bogey and all that stuff and Marvin yeah. and Buddy and Buddy Buddy, yes. um, top ten shooting card. What? <laughs> no, I think he's a, he's a great defender. He he's a decent scorer. Uh, he needed to find his real mesh in that offense, though. I felt like that was the one thing that didn't click for them. They struggled down the line because of that. Yeah. Um, but they're they're gonna be a super exciting team because they can do a couple of things with this lineup. They can go big and, you know, put in Bagley and uh, 
you can either do dead men out there to add a, f- a five who can shoot threes, which is terrifying on its own. Mm-hmm. But you can put in uh, Harry Giles. You can go with uh, Blitzia out there at the three. Do that. You could do move Harry over. Like you could do a lot of things. Yep. You've got a lot of interesting decisions to well, make. But Barnes, I think he's probably a top ten player. I just don't think that his finish to last year was as good as it could have been because he couldn't find his niche in that offense. I, the reason, I mean, he was still massively efficient for the Kings team. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, I think he was like 45 and 40 from, from the field and then, and then from three. I, I just think looking at where I put him, everyone else has more potential than him. And I think we saw what he is going to be. He's going to be that really fourth option on that team. Um, in that starting lineup, because De'Aaron's going to be more of an option, Buddy's going to be more of an option. I think Bagley should be more of an option. So he's going to be a fourth option on that team, and I, and I think that you know as long as he's efficient, he will be doing his job. Yeah. Where Gordon Hayward, we're not really sure what he can do, but there was moments there where he was running the second unit and he looked like All Star Gordon Hayward, and I think that the potential is there for possibly Gordon Hayward to show more of that potential. And I think if we're comparing those two players. Gordon Hayward already showed that he can be more of a ball handler and facilitator than Harrison Barnes. And and he showed throughout his NBA career outside of last year that he can be extremely efficient, not as not if as efficient as Harrison Barnes from the outside and from the field last, uh, you know, as as Harrison Barnes was last year. So I think if we're looking at that, they bring very similar things Mm -hmm. outside of Hayward, I think, can bring more of a ball handling uh, element to his game than Harrison Barnes. So that's why Hayward got the bump over uh, uh, Harrison Barnes. And then with Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, I'm probably too high on him, but yeah. if he's efficient from three... You need that guy to take a big jump. Yeah, if, if he's efficient from three and he's just efficient in general, he's easily, again, playing better defense than Harrison Barnes. So I think that he can he can at least... Uh, his defense is going to give him the boost there. Uh, Jingles, another guy that can distribute the ball and be efficient from three. I just think that he can, you know, is more of a two-way player and he can add more to that offense just be due to his ball handling skills. Uh, you look at what him and Derek Favors did last year. I mean, th- those two out there were uh, a treat mm-hmm. to watch. Um, he won't be out there with um, with Favors anymore, but I do wonder what him, Boyan, and, and Rudy Gobert can do uh, with those yeah. that, that large of uh, bodies out there, but those all... Uh, two of them being uh, capable ha- ball handlers and having such a great screener in Rudy Gobert. Brandon Ingram, again, is just simply potential. I mean, we, what is there not to like about Brandon Ingram? And I think we saw He's now, just getting better. He's I getting mean, better. his health scare and, was terrifying. Yeah, and, and now he's not dealing with LeBron, too. Yeah. So I think that the potential is high there for Brandon Ingram to be nearly a 20-point scorer. So yep. I, I think that it just comes down to Harrison Barnes, I think, is capped at you know a 15-point-per-game score, but extremely efficient, but... He's really just going to yeah. only add shooting in D. And he's, he's a 3-and-D player where I think some of these guys can add more to he's an offense. He's got a good mid-range. Who gives a shit about the mid-range? It's 2019. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's let's move now into 1-10, uh, through 10, but let us know your thoughts uh, on our 11-20. through 20. What players should have been higher? What players should have been lower? But let us know down in the comments below. But let's move into the final topic, 1-10. through 10. Uh, Again, same way. I'll give Ricky's rankings. Dave will give his rankings. I'll give my rankings. And then we'll give our cumulative rankings. And before we do that, Dave, we just want to plug patreon.com slash podcast and podcast nerd. So if you want to check out uh, patreon.com slash podcast, you can... Uh, you know, help us out 
upgrade our equipment, all this stuff. Um, at the bronze tier, you can join our Discord. At the silver tier, you can suggest topics for us. At the gold tier, you can call in and uh, give us your thoughts on anything that you want to talk about, whether it be NBA, NFL, college, uh, nerd stuff, whether it be video games or some of the uh, movie news that's yep. coming out. You can call in and give us your thoughts on that. And then also, speaking of nerd stuff, check out Most Valuable Podcast Nerd. It's our new channel where Too Old to Game is on there. Ricky and Dave talk about video gaming news and the stuff that they've been Going to get a whole loving. lot of World of Warcraft news <laughs> as that goes live with classic vanilla. Come the, on. The stuff that they've been loving in the video game world. And then also, uh, Rick and Johnny uh, giving their thoughts on the nerd world whether that be uh, some new TV shows coming out, whether DC that be universe uh, stuff. And movies coming out, yep. all that stuff. Uh, movie reviews as well. They uh, reviewed Lion they King not too long ago. What was the most they, recent one? They almost did Dora the Explorer. And there you go. I honestly was in awe of Ricky being like, I'm a almost 30-year-old man going to see Dora the Explorer. Like that one, I was like, mm, You get put on the list? You might get put on the list for you going to that on theater. The yep. Him and Johnny getting put on the list. Yep. Um, anyways, <laughs> let's jump in. One through ten. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the list, man first uh, yep. Ricky Whitmer uh, at number 10 he put Eric Gordon on the list at 10 for the Houston Rockets at 9 he put Gordon Hayward of the Boston Celtics at 8 he put Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers or the Milwaukee Bucks or the Orlando Magic or the uh, Clippers or the Pistons there whatever you team you want to be yeah uh, then for well the traveled. seven. Uh, he put Joe Ingles of the Utah Jazz. At six, he put Otto Porter of the Chicago Bulls. At five, he put Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks. At four, he put DeMar DeRozan of the San Antonio Spurs. At three, he put Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat. At two, he put Paul George of the Los Angeles Clippers. And at one, some bum named LeBron James of the Los Angeles Clippers. Dave, give us your one Oh, you said Clippers. Oh fuck! Lakers are gonna Lakers. hate you. Sorry, I put the real. Uh, I said the real kings of Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh. Just drive it in more. Uh, LeBron of the Lakers. All right, thank you, thank you. At number ten, I've got Joe Ingles. At nine, it's Brandon Ingram. At eight, I've got Harrison Barnes. Seven, Demar Derozan. Six, Otto Porter. Five, Tobias Harris. Four is Chris Middleton. Three, Jimmy Butler. Two, Paul George. And at one, it's LeBron James. All right, and then my rankings one through ten. I have at 10, Gordon Hayward of the Boston Celtics, 9, Joe Ingles of the Utah Jazz, 8, Brandon Ingram of the New Orleans Pelicans, 7, Otto Porter of the Chicago Bulls, 6, Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers, 5, DeMar DeRozan of the San Antonio Spurs, 4, Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks, 3, Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat, 2, Paul George of the Clippers, and 1, LeBron James of the Lakers. Let's do our cumulative. Dave, take us through it. Sure. At the real num- rankings. At number 10, it's Gordon Hayward. At number 9, also tied in points, is Brandon Ingram, but we gave Brandon the edge because it's Brandon Ingram. At number 8, it's Joe Ingles. At 7, tied for 7th, I should say, Otto Porter and Tobias Harris. I think that one we're going to hit up in a discussion shortly. At number 5, it's DeMar DeRozan. At 4, it's Chris Milton. 3, Jimmy Butler. 2, Paul George. 1, LeBron James. Never has there been such a lock for the top 4 position of a position ranking since this. Like, and, I think that's just by the book. And yet, last year, only one of those guys was in the top 3 because KD was in there. Uh, but KD's now injured and Kawhi's now a 4. Yep. Uh, so Jimmy Butler's the only guy that stayed at 3. Yeah, uh, Jimmy. But uh, let's run through the old rankings too. Uh, Joe Ingles moved up from 10 to 8. This year, Brandon Ingram stayed at 9. 
Harrison Barnes dropped to from uh, eight last year to eleven. Jason Tatum's now a power forward. Otto Porter uh, moved up one ranking from seven to six. Chris Middleton moved up a ranking from five to four. Uh, Paul George moved up from four to two. Jimmy Butler stayed at three. Kawhi was at two, and KD was at one. Uh, LeBron was the king of the small forwards for about three years there until we moved him over to power forward last year for Brandon Ingram, I believe. Um, but yeah, those are those are the last year's rankings, and now on this year's rankings, uh, let's jump into two of the uh, the two splits here first. We'll talk about Otto Porter versus Tobias Harris and Brandon Ingram versus Gordon Hayward. You gave me the tip off that you want to talk about Harris and Porter more. I did. So let's jump into it. Why did you put Tobias Harris over Otto Porter? I think that Tobias Harris has a more complete kit as a player. I think he's a do it all player because. When I look at what he was able to do for, you list off six teams. I mean, like, this man been everywhere. But specifically on the 76ers this year, he's going to be asked to do more because Jimmy Butler is not there. And he had a meh postseason at best, I feel. Mm -hmm. I think this year they're expecting a lot out of him. They're expecting him to be able to carry some offensive load because they did switch out Jimmy for uh, Josh Richardson. Very good player. But they also added Al Horford. You know, he's old, but he still does the basics very well. I think that he's going to be asked to do a lot. And my thing is, Otto Porter, he's not the—he's not just the uber-efficient three-point uh, scoring machine that he used to be in Washington. I really loved what I got to see out of him I in mean, Chicago. He shot 48% from three in 15 games. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not I saying he's not just that. Uber-efficient. No, I'm saying he's not just that. Oh, okay. I got he you. is more. He When he came to Chicago, he did a lot of things. He won us games. He put us out of the top of that lottery, unfortunately. Um, and that that's fine. That's all fine and dandy because he stayed with us this year. The thing for me is I just don't know if he has got a better overall game than Tobias Harris. Honestly, I'm still shocked DeMar DeRozan's above both of them. That's my biggest surprise because I, like I said, I've got DeMar at seven, uh, Ricky has him at four, and you've got him at five. Yeah. So how how is, like, Otto Porter just succeeded massively with the Bulls, moved over to a a bad team, and was able to step up to a much larger role. Tobias Harris now has a better opportunity this year to succeed – why why DeMar DeRozan over that? Well, here's the thing is Otto Porter was 15 games. Yeah. So it's not for sure certain that he's going to do exactly what he did last year. And I'm not saying that that's what you that's think. Fair. Um, but I don't think it's for sure that Otto Porter can do that again. I would like him for him to prove me wrong in in all, in all yeah. honesty. Um, do I think he can take a step up? Yes, because he plays very good defense, and he's one of the most efficient players, weirdly enough, in the NBA over oh, the yeah. past couple of years. Um, he's incredible. been over uh, a true shooting percentage over 60% multiple times, and that's pretty rare uh, in the NBA. I think that's, I think, you know, probably like 15 players do that each and every year. Um, Otto Porter is typically one of them. So he's usually massively efficient. I just wonder, you know, with Chris Dunn being there and Kobe White, like what's the ball movement going to be like? And is Zach Levine going to take more shots this year? And now Markin's going to be fully healthy. And I know he was fully healthy for that time when Otto Porter was there. But mm-hmm. I, I do wonder how this this offense is going to work. And is Otto Porter going to be as aggressive as he was last year? And even though he will be, even though he, he might be more aggressive, he's not going to shoot 48% from three. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> is that going to be Joe Harris? Yeah. So I think there might be a little bit of a, a writing of the ship there. He was well above his career average. Uh, his career average is 11. He's, he was at 17 and a half. Um, I think he could probably be around 15 to 16. 
Um, but I don't think he's yeah. going to be shooting 48 from the field, 48 from three, uh, <laughs> 90 from, from the line. Like, he was stupid good. He was amazing. Last year for the Bulls. So I, I'd rather see him kind of prove me wrong on that one. Um, and then with Tobias Harris, Toby was not efficient from three last yeah. year. And and he, he had more Not when of he got to the season. Sixers. Yeah, no. More, he dropped he, off. He had more of a full season with the, the Sixers. He played 27 games compared to 15 games. Um, I just wonder if he can be efficient for this team because there was a disconnect on this team when he came over and he is extremely talented good defender good shooter i just wonder if he's going to get the ball enough and if he's going to get the ball enough in his situations to really demand what he was demanding at least contract wise and then also from the clippers because the clippers were brilliant in the way they used him um and 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 you know, we show that over the the, the year of 2017-2018 where he's averaging 19 points per game. And then obviously the first half of 2018-2019 where he's averaging year 20. Um, they know how to use their players. And I don't think the Sixers really found how to use him fully. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest concern there is that he's still going to be inefficient next year. Because although you have a great ball, hand, uh, ball handler and great uh, facilitator in Ben Simmons... Are the shots going to be the right shots for him? And I don't think they were last year next to Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And if Josh Richardson's proving that it can be the right shots for him and that him standing on the outside, on the wing, attacking, are the right shots for him and he's going to be more efficient, we might see less shots going Tobias Harris's way. And he's not an excellent defender. He's a good defender. Yeah. Um, But he's not an excellent defender. And that might be hidden a little bit by having great defenders in Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Al Horford. Uh, out there. And Josh Richardson. You literally have And Josh Richardson. I think they have four out of the, you know, like top twenty <laughs> defenders or something ridiculous. There's Sounds something right. there's some ridiculous stat about it. Yeah. Um I, I just wonder if he's going to get the right shots for him. Where DeMar DeRozan, we know what the right shots for him is. He's gonna be a two a mid range king. And here's the thing Limited. like even though he cannot shoot from three and he does not want to shoot from three, the dude shoots fifty percent from from two. And he's an efficient two point scorer and he could put up twenty a night on 50% shooting, yeah. and that's the thing that you know you're going to get out of him. And last year, he was a pretty decent a facilitator as well. He had over six assists last year, and I think that's something people are sleeping on. So, I mean, as an offensive player, if you're asking me who I trust more out of all these players, it's DeMar DeRozan because he's been able to do every you know the, the same thing yeah. for seven straight years now where he is a mid-range god, and he's going to be able to do that, and he's going to be able to move the ball efficiently. He's not going to turn the ball over where I don't know if Tobias Harris is going to have the opportunity to create for himself and be a guy that's near a 20-point scorer, and I don't know if there's enough uh, ball there to feed all those mouths in that Sixers starting lineup. And with Otto Porter, you have Zach Levine, who was who scored over 20 points last year. Laurie Markkinen's put up near, like, 18 a game for himself. Kobe White is apparently going to be, you know, a, a scoring guard. I'm not sure how much time he's going to get, so I'm not going to say he's going to get over 10 points per game. Yeah. And Wendell Carter Jr. is supposed to be back at some point during this 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 run. Yep. Thad Young, Tom Sadoransky, more miles to feed. I, I think that Otto Porter might be the most efficient and well-rounded player when it comes to shooting from the field and shooting from the outside and then also and from playing three. defense. Um, I think it's definitely a possibility that he might be the best player out of these three play- players yeah. by the end of the year. But yep. DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan has proven <laughs> it more than Tobias Harris and okay. Otto Porter have just because of their two new teams, uh, Tobias and Otto Porter. Um, yeah. DeMar DeRozan at least had a more of a full season on San Antonio. And he put up 21-6 and was super efficient from what he does best in, in mid-range, and that's what the Spurs want him to do. I mean, the Spurs weren't forcing him to take three-point shots. They were like, no, you're going to be 
DeMar DeRozan. You're going to shoot 49% from two, and he did that. So and he's sort of out. It, it, can we consider it out of position anymore that he's now a small forward for a couple years in a row? Like, Yeah, because he can't guard threes. Yeah, that, that's why I'm like, is that weird or... No, because <laughs> it's team defense for them, and every yeah. other player can play great defense in that starting lineup, or at yeah. least good defense in yeah. that starting lineup. Um, and they have so many ways to hide him or, or put different players on them. I mean, can De- I mean Dejounte Murray could probably guard threes, can like, guard fours. Yeah, I like. I'm not worried about him <laughs> defensively just because it's pop. Yeah, and they'll be able to plan around him, and he's still athletic. He's not like a, a lockdown shutdown yep. defender, but he's not a horrible defender. Right. He's not like you know Steph bad or you know. Uh, Trey Young bad. Like he's he's a fine defender, especially in that Spurs that that Spurs system. Yeah, I, I trust Demar Derozan be more efficient for me. And if I had to pick a lineup of you know out of these three guys, like if I had to fill my my you know starting lineup mm-hmm. with a choice of Demar Derozan, Tobias Harris, and Otto Porter Jr. If I surround shooters, or if I sur- surround uh, Demar Derozan with shooters, like yeah, I'd be happy with that because yeah. he can be so efficient. He can move the ball, and he's not he's he's a very smart player. So. I think DeMar DeRozan's a, 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 a and smart And he didn't have a bad playoff player. run for once. He was not terrible in the playoffs. No, he was not. Um, and, and we not could, a trash bro. And, and neither was Kyle Lowry, so the trash bros needed to be separated so, for them not to be trash. Yep. Um, so DeMar DeRozan, Tobias Harris, Otto Porter, those were the three That's a clump. big yeah. ones that stuck out to us. Let's jump into the other two that were tied. Yep. Brandon Ingram and Gordon Hayward. What are, your, what are the outlooks for these guys? Both guys dealt with injuries different ways. Uh, Gordon Hayward started dealing with his, you know, coming back from his, his leg injury. And then Brandon Ingram was out for the last for the last half of the season mm-hmm. due to the blood clots. What are the expectations for Brandon Ingram in a new situation um, in New Orleans? And then Gordon Hayward kind of in a new situation, being more of a starter and probably having a bigger role in this Boston team than he did last year. Yeah, I think that Gordon Hayward should have a really good bounce back year. Like you mentioned earlier, he had some moments with that second unit late in the year where it looked like this was the Gordon Hayward of old. So hopefully that, you know, with him back in there, more minutes and in a more team-friendly environment with Kemba Walker there at his point guard position, I think he can do some heavy lifting for them at the wing position, and he should have a really good opportunity. But at the same time, like... I don't think his shot's just magically gone, you know. He his efficiency went down the tube, but he's got to give it, you know, a lot of time to trust your body again after a horrific injury like he had. And we saw him towards the end of that year really going and he yammed a couple dunks in, he looked good in the fast break. Like there's every all the signs are pointing to like this should be a, his, you know, year back to normalcy. I don't think he's going to put up 20 plus, but I think he'll be in that, you know, like 17 to 20 range on this Celtics team. On the other hand, B.I., this kid, I have such high hopes for. I've loved him every year since he came out, and I know the whole awful comp of, like, well, he's big and long like Kevin Durant. Him and Kevin Durant ain't nothing alike. It was the worst comp I think I've ever heard in my life. But you want, No, Kyle Schwarber to Babe Ruth. Okay, that, that almost made me choke a little. Just, mm. um, yikes. Someone said that? Yeah, after uh, when Kyle Schwarber came back during the 2016 World Series, like and he was tearing shit up. I recall, and everyone's like, "Yeah, he's the next Babe Ruth." Oh my god! All right, well yeah, that didn't pan out. Yeah, that that that's a that's a nope. KD though, let's talk about KD Brandon Ingram. <laughs> also a nope. <laughs> um, for me, I look at Brandon Ingram. I just go, "You have all this talent when you get to play ISO, like." When you put the ball in his hands, we saw a trail of success for when LeBron James was out, Lonzo was not healthy, so it was like, 
it's the it's the Brandon Ingram show, and he balled out in those games. He had a stretch where if you take, I think from let me get this right, uh, from like the middle of January to his final game, he was putting up twenty three points a game, five boards, three assists on 55 from the field, 40 from three, only 1.9 attempts a game, and 78 from or 75 from the line on six attempts. And he had multiple games in there. He had like a 36-point game, 32-point game, 31-point uh, game, 27, 29. Like, he was a monster. You put the ball in his hands, and he will succeed. Now, knowing that this Pelicans team, you know, all right, well, that's how you make Brent Ingram good. So we've got Lonzo Ball, who is a touch passer. We've got... Uh, a great two guard and drew holiday who again doesn't necessarily need to keep the ball in his hands to make an offense work we know that he is you know good at just being able to take his efficient shots and continue the ball movement so i'm really hoping that we see like a brandon ingram heavy ball style offense and yes i'd be stupid to not say zion williamson is going to get the majority of touches but i don't think he needs to like ball hog i, I think zion is very much you can throw him oops you can let him run the fast break and then in situations where you get lower in the clock, you can dish to him and know that you're going to get a pretty high quality shot out of him. Yeah. So I really look to see this Pelicans team let Brandon Ingram run the offensive sets for the majority of them because I, or at least give him a above 35% share because yeah. he really excels with the ball in his hands. How do you think it's just going to work, though? Because you have two guys that aren't. I mean, you, you need Zion. I mean, you don't really need Zion to set, have set, set someone. Set, let, let me put it this way. <laughs> you have two guards that excel at feeding guys the ball. Right. Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday. Yeah. How is that going to work out with two guys that need the ball in their hands in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson? And, and in ways of not like catch and shoot guys or yep. setting them up, how are that? how is that combo of Ingram and Williamson going to pair with Lonzo and Holiday? It's a great question. Honestly, it is because they're very differing play styles between them and how, how they're going to make that succeed. I really do see Zion and Zoe being like the fast break. Like that is how you run every up tempo, every offensive set that you want that to move the ball quickly, score quickly, and just be kind of like a game changing moment. Meanwhile, Drew and BI can run the majority of sets on that offense when you need to either slow things down or just your natural offensive flow. I think both of those guys I would trust way more than Lonzo right now. I could be wrong. Lonzo could work on his game. Like he's a he's a good facilitator, but it, it was never like the long possession facilitation like Rondo. Rondo sets an offense. He knows the sets. He runs guys. He you know gets himself into great positions. He gets other guys into better positions for them to take advantage of it. Zoe is more of a touch passer. He keeps that offense rolling. And I think that's the thing is you're gonna let two guys take the fast breaks, take the transitions, take anything that you need up tempo. And let Drew and Bi run it the rest of the time. Right. I mean, I'm interested to see what Brandon Ingram can do because I mean, I as long as he can stay so healthy, because it is definitely a serious injury that he's dealing with. Yeah. Um. I, I'm not gonna. I you know what? I'm gonna butcher it. Let's let's butcher it. Um. Because I, I going medical. How, I don't know how to say it. I'm not a doctor, but let's butcher it. Yep. Deep venous thrombosis. Yeah. That could be right. TVT. That's what he's dealing with. I mean, we yep. don't know what the effects are on that, and that's going to be the biggest concern for me. Um, but literally, I mean, if Brandon Ingram is able to shoot from the outside efficiently, more, more efficiently like he was in his sophomore year, if he's hitting 39% from from the outside and, and he's able to be a better free throw shooter, like, honestly, this kid could be top five. Oh, he's a stud. I mean, he's he's a, he's an offensive wizard. 
um, when it, it, you know, at least from what he can do, what, like what he does best, he's an offensive wizard, and that, that's why I went to. He uh, has right a great floater mid range game. He knows how to control his body, and mm-hmm. he's again and his body's so unique. His body is unique, and he plays great defense with that. So I think you can't overlook the fact that he just has a unique skill set to abuse people at the three. And who's the most yeah. important player to the Pelicans' success this year? You think still Zion. I can't not say the word Zion. Like, I mean, but but I don't he, even know what he's gonna do, and I just Zion. But here's the thing: here's like we we expect Zion to do well, right? Yes. We expect Ingram to do well. We expect Drew Holiday to do well. I think Ingram's the question mark out of that group because Lonzo, we know what he does if he's healthy. You don't think Lonzo's the biggest question mark though? No, I, I I've already decided what Lonzo is. I've <laughs> I'm not gonna. What is Lonzo? If Lonzo comes out with a three-point shot that starts above his shoulder, you know, dead center on his body, I'm like, what the shit? Um, no, he's a, he's a, he's a above-average defender. He's a above-average passer, but he is not going to change the world as far as his shot creation. Like, it's, it's just not. His shot motion does not let him take easy shots. So, that's I've I've capped him. He's he's great. You know, they obviously mm-hmm. can win more games because that backcourt is like one of the best defensive backcourts in the NBA. But you're right, getting B.I. the ball is going to be hard for them at times. I, I want them to force it through him, though. Like, if he's not getting 15 shots a night, something's wrong, yeah. in my mind. Who, who who should suffer the most, then? Like, uh, who, Lonzo. Who, Lonzo should, suffer Lonzo most, should not take shots. Like, okay. unless unless he's wide open. <laughs> like, I want it to be just like... Unless you're in the fast break, kid. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, all right, let's move away from that. Um, let's mention your boy Jingles, because you've been the highest on him forever and now you have him the lowest uh you have him at 10 i had him at nine and then uh ricky had him at seven yeah last year you had jingles at 10 um which was uh, tied for the highest with ricky ricky also had a 10 and then the year before where'd you have jingles you had jingles at 22 which was tied for me i will say but you've been uh you've been on the jingles bandwagon i've been for a ahead of the, i've been ahead of the train and now you're behind the train so what's up Am with the I jingles really? train it just I think it's the a matter of the the personnel around him this year is gonna affect him the most. Like I, I like the personnel oh, around I him. Oh, I love the personnel around him. The problem is that he doesn't necessarily I don't think he's gonna get as many shots a game. I'll be honest. He's an efficient shooter though. Last year he did shoot uh forty four thirty nine and what's his line? Seventy percent from the line, but it's only like one attempt a game. Yeah. So no big deal there. But Joe, really, the best part about him is he is a point forward. And, like, this man is a floor general facilitator. Like, he can do it all. It's awesome. You watch him out there. And I know he had this, um, I think his son uh, was diagnosed with autism, and they did a charity uh, event tie into a game, whereas every assist would be a donation towards that. And I think Joe had, like, 10 assists or 11 assists, something ridiculous in that game. It's a great story, but, like, Joe is just a fantastic all-around player, and he knows his role on that team. And I think with the addition of Boyan, someone who we watched at the end of last year really take over, um, I really don't think that offensively he's going to be asked to do a lot. I think he's a 10-point-a-game scorer, maybe maybe between tw- 10 and you know 14 tops. But like that's not really your job, Joe. Like Your job is to keep that offense rolling. Your job is to be able to create for others and set up your team for better success. Like. He can take shots and make them. He can knock them down like nobody's business, but that's not what they're going to be asking from him this year in my mind. You are correct that Joe Ingles' son, uh, Jacob, was uh, diagnosed with autism. Uh, came out around February 2nd 
uh, that him and his wife announced that, and I believe the game that you're talking about the was sixth. Uh, the sixth against yep. Phoenix, where he had 11, 11 assists. Yeah. Uh, but even then, there was games after that where you had 10, 11, 10, uh, 14 in one of them, too, 13 against Denver. Uh, Jingles and Derek Favors were, were one hell of a tandem to watch, and I can't, I, yeah. I, I, I'm interested to see what him and Boyan can do. Um, I mean, he was I, like I that true point guard on that team, back. but yeah. now that you add in Mike Conley, like, that's the thing, is like role wise. But here's the thing Conley and you have, Boyan. You have four added. guys. <laughs> yeah. Four players in Conley, uh, Donovan, mm-hmm. Boyan, and Jingles. Yep. Who can all facilitate. Yeah. And who can all ball handle. Oh, they're who terrifying. Can, who can all create. And then you have the monster that is Rudy Gobert, and he's their best player. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, this team could be really good. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely the most slept-on team in the NBA because it's not sexy, but mm-hmm. they do everything right, and that's the thing. It's like, defensively, they're going to be terrifying. Offensively, yeah. like you said, everyone can move the ball. Everyone can get their own. So I'm going to be really intrigued to see. The problem from last year was really they ran into the buzzsaw that is Houston, and they could not hit a goddamn shot. Yeah. And it was just painful to watch. Well, so they went out and got somebody. And they got two guys. <laughs> You're right. Too. They got two so guys. I, and I think the, the, the coolest thing, at least for uh, – I, I think the, the biggest thing, too, is, like, they're sleeping on them because defensively, you know, Donovan Mitchell's really the only, like, scorer that's jumping off the page. Like, Conley's right. a good scorer, but, like, it's nothing, like, flashy, right? right. Like, he's, he's going to put up 20 at the max, but he'll put up 20 every single game. Um, mm-hmm. Where Donovan Mitchell can like drop forty, but and he does it with authority. Their, their, their best player is Rudy Gobert, and yeah. he plays defense, and that's not sexy. Um, but they also have a psychopath as their head coach <laughs> in Quinn Snyder. So I I honestly think that this team could be disgusting this year. Yeah. Um, let's move to the top four, and we really could, we could be brief on this. Um, why Chris Mid for you over Demar Tobias and, and Otto Porter? Because Ricky didn't have that. Um, Ricky had uh, Chris Mid at five and Demar above him. Uh, what about Chris Mid might people be sleeping on, or at least not be seeing about him? And what makes him a top four small forward in your mind? Uh, he is really good at basketball. That's the Thanks, analysis Dave. you guys came for, right? Thank you, Dave. Look, he is big for his size. Uh, big for his size. He's big for his position. He's six eight. He's got a great shot from the outside. He gets better opportunities and better looks because he's playing next to Giannis. And he has a five at Brooke Lopez, who stretched the floor out. Like, everything looked right for him. He was a monster in the playoffs uh, two years ago against the Celtics. And then that continued into even better play from him the following year. And then this year, solid performance in the playoffs. I really, he did get the nod for the All-Star game, which I feel like I, I'm kind of on the fence if he deserved that one or not. And Bucks fans, you can tell me if I'm wrong on that. I just felt like he was not. Um, there were there were a couple other guys who were in the same running for that mm-hmm. All Star vote, but no, he he started off the uh, playoffs really strong against Detroit, Boston, another great series. He did ha- he did struggle against Toronto, but to be fair, Toronto, he had a, he had that thirty point game, but that was about it. That was about it. Mm-hmm. He's just very good. Yeah, like, I mean, he's a great shooter. He's a great defender. He's long. He's strong. He rebounds well. He can pass, and he's a perfect complementary piece next to Giannis. That's the thing is, and, and I mean, he's going to be. I think probably, I mean, he was massively efficient last year, too, at like seven threes per game, shooting 37%. Yeah. Uh, but it's the defense that really stuck out to me was, you know, he was efficient and that's going to help Giannis. But even if he's not efficient, you still have Giannis and Giannis will make guys better. Mm-hmm. And with Bud's now, uh, you know, the adaptation of adding Bud to the offense for the Bucks, that's going to make everything flow quicker and easier. So, I mean, Chris Mid's going to get open look shots and, and he's proven that he can knock them down. Um 
and I'm really not too worried about the offensive side, but it's the defense that really takes him over that next level. Um, defensive rating of 106. Like, this team can play defense, and that is majorly put on the shoulders of Chris Mid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and, and Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, if those three guys defensive out, win shares. Yeah, yeah if, if those three guys aren't out there, um, it, it might be different of what what this team's success can be. But when you look at Chris Mid's defensive win shares, like you were saying, 3.6. And, yeah. we, I mean, we've looked at so many numbers this, this, this year. Um, I, I don't remember defensive win shares like being that high. Like, I, I, <laughs> like obviously, I mean, and I don't look at Paul George's defensive stats I'll pull because it up just Paul, to give you a comparison. Because Paul George is just disgusting. Yep. Um, but like you, I, you don't have to question Paul George is pretty much what I'm saying. So you don't need stats to prove your point with Paul George. Um, but at least look Paul at, George or, being like the defensive player of the year, basically. Yeah, I know he I mean, wasn't. Uh, four point nine for Paul George. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. He is not. Year before was three point nine. He's not elite. Like, that's the whole point. Uh, Chris Mid at, at defense, but he is right there. Yep. Um. So that that's the thing is he he adds not only just that offensive three point shot, um, but he he does just bring everything to uh this team. I mean, at least he's just so well rounded, and he's he 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 ties in uh you know Giannis's uh. Giannis's play, play style, style. Yeah. Uh, perfectly and and looking at Rudy Gobert Rudy Gobert's at 5.7 so yeah, like there, there's a reason these guys are <laughs> shout out those guys um, but Chris, Chris Mid's a stud and let's move to the, the, the other three guys Jimmy Butler Paul George and LeBron James um, yeah all the two guys on a new team Clippers and, and uh, Clippers for Paul George and Butler for Miami Heat and then LeBron at one I mean there's what is no there discussion to say? around LeBron James. He's just LeBron James. Um, he's the I'm best player. I'm shocked that Ricky didn't put him at one. Paul George. Oh, and, you thought? I thought Ricky would have done it. Because he's a better defender, and he scored more points last year, and he's on a better team, and Los Angeles is the true— uh, the Clippers are the true Los Angeles team. I thought that was going to be Ricky's, uh, well, Ricky's whole I mean, like, but Ricky's not stupid. All those things you said except for that last one are correct, though. He is what? a better defender. And he, he did score, score more points. He scored like up. He's on a more. better team. What are you trying to say? <laughs> are you trying to say Paul George? I'm better? not. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying those are all valid points. Um, but no, like LeBron James, if healthy. But those are the only valid points. Yep. That's the thing. That's what Ricky. Ricky, you is got very, your mountain of facts here, and you've got your like. I can. I can pick these points, and yeah. Again, like I said, Ricky isn't stupid. Ricky put LeBron number one. Yeah. Like he should have. Yep. But Ricky is also very good at creating arguments he is and he would have picked those Missy three things ricky. that people are are, are tough at are, are doing like if i was creating an argument that's exactly what i do yep. and ricky again is not stupid he would pick the three things that he can win at, mvp and, voting and last year paul george beat him but the biggest thing is just lebron's health yeah and and if lebron is healthy he is still a stud and what i mean lebron was like his a, first injury a, like 0.8 points behind paul george <laughs> i think paul george was at 28.2 lebron was at 27.4 and also Paul George can't do what LeBron does assist rebounding wise. Yeah, and, no. and I mean, also when LeBron wants to score, he'll drop 50 on you. Right. That's the thing is LeBron James can and will do anything he wants to you. Like that's that's mm-hmm. the unfortunate problem on the basketball court. He's just the best player in the game right now. Um, the Paul George, Jimmy Butler thing, though, I always have fun with that because we went back Why? and forth. Back, like looking back in history. Yeah, it was always like we I think we had had that argument three to five to seven times about who's the better guy between Paul George and Jimmy Butler back and forth. We had it last year. Uh, Jimmy Butler ended up beating out Paul George for the best by one point, 83 to 82. You and Ricky had Paul George below Jimmy Butler. I am the smart person in the group, and I had Paul George above Jimmy Butler. And I remember 
Uh, but I'm also always been like down you, on, on, on. You've Jimmy always Butler. been anti Jimmy because um, he's just a knucklehead. He causes controversy. His teams hate him supposedly, yeah. except for that. You know, when you drag out the uh, third unit and you you take it to the starters and you show these spoiled brats who get contracts. Not that good, are you? 2017, I wasn't, though. Uh, Jimmy Butler, we all had him at five. Paul George was at six. Yep. Um, they've always been neck and neck, I'm pretty sure. And then 2016, no, they uh, I, oh, no, Paul George, in, in 2016 was different. Paul George actually beat out Jimmy Butler. Uh, Paul George was three for all of us. And then Jimmy Butler was five for you. Ricky had him at six, and I had him at five. Yeah. Uh, I had him above Carmelo, which, nice. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> Ricky also had Kawhi below Paul George, which that's a hot take. Um, you also had Paul George above Kawhi Leonard. What the fuck? Kawhi oh, Leonard wasn't that good. Jesus Christ. That year. We all had Kawhi Leonard below what Paul What year George. was this? 20... 2016. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, that's wrong. Now, um... <laughs> well, yeah, now looking back. That's what I meant. Like, it's fun to look back at that because like the argument was always Jimmy Butler is a better primary ball handler and like solo guy. But if you want someone who's a great team player, like Paul George will make mm-hmm. your team better. Jimmy Butler is just a better player, and now I think it's the point where it's no. Paul George is just a better player, through and through, no questions asked. Jimmy Butler is an incredible, tough defender. He works. He's got the best work ethic I've seen probably, but he's also cancerous to some locker rooms. He's got such a strong personality, and if it's not his way, he's going to let you know about it. And I think that's what's kind of driven them apart in my mind. And I think the biggest thing, too, is what if Paul George didn't break his leg and how, where oh my would he God. be at? I yeah. mean, that, that's, that's the thing that I look at is you, know, you could bring up all that stuff because you're, you're not wrong with Jimmy Butler's personality and, and the way that he's you know gone from yeah. team to team. And you know it's always been something with Jimmy. Um, but with Paul George, you now look at where he just hit. And now you wonder if he would have hit it sooner if he didn't have broken his leg in that disgusting way. Yeah. Um, Paul George, extremely athletic, just a smooth basketball player, and, and, and such a great defender, high energy. And he was playing hurt, too. Yeah, and, and he's playing hurt with the elbow. But like you said, he's a team player as well. He'll do yeah. anything for that team. He'll play right next to what, what uh, Russ and just you know do exactly what this team needs. Yep. And he not only did that, he took it to the next level. And he, and he became an MVP-type player this year, and that was phenomenal to he's see. He's an incredible player. Now, I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to be a difficult one or not. Is it LeBron James the best player? No, it's, oh. it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Who would you rank as the better three? Because oh. I know Kawhi's going to be a four for us because of the way oh, our so rankings Ka- spaced out. But if Kawhi were on this list as a three... Kawhi. Without a doubt. I mean, Kawhi's, Kawhi's in my mind, is probably the third best player in the NBA. Right behind LeBron and KD. Um, and that if we're if we're taking guys that are playing this year, then he's yeah. two. Um, I think Kawhi, although people are going to say, you know, Paul George is playing through injuries and all this stuff. Um, Kawhi Leonard has that ability to play so steadily... Every single game, mm-hmm. but that steadiness is always at like twenty-seven, five, and five. It's just excellence with incredible defense. That man pisses excellence. He is so <laughs> consistently phenomenal. Yeah, it's stupid. And I, I think Paul George has that spurts of where he can go off, and, and then you know he can he he can come down to earth just a little mm-hmm. bit. Where Kawhi is going to give you the same exact stat line every single night. And he showed that he can take a team 
to the championship, and he's done it twice now. And he did it with a mid range, and, and he and he did it with a, a mid range jumper. But he was also doing it with the Spurs, and he was doing it. You know, we we possibly don't know what could have happened, but if, if Zaza didn't do that, but yeah. he possibly could have taken on the best team by himself. That's true. So God, that Kawhi just has this next level to him that I don't think Paul George has. Yeah, and that's not a, a knock on. We think Paul George hit his next level this year, right? Yeah, it's not a knock on Paul George. It's just. Three guys have it in the league. Kawhi, or Kawhi showed it last year. KD showed it the two times that he won finals where he was just literally like, fuck you, LeBron. Yeah, and LeBron's the fuck you done three that. is great. LeBron's been doing that since like 2003. <laughs> so, I mean, there's three guys that can do that. Yep. And, and and even Steph doesn't have that. Steph's shied away in big moments before. And yes, he's done. He's dealt with injuries a lot. But Kawhi apparently was dealing with injuries that whole final yeah, run. I mean, and he was still the best player out there yeah so i mean i i'm absolutely infatuated with Kawhi, and Kawhi is better it's gonna make a hard discussion for the for the power forward next week man why Kawhi and Giannis. fuck right no, I, I just, right? No, I just you guys on the line i just said Kawhi's better so i'm sticking with Kawhi. all right, it'll be, all right. It'll be i don't Kawhi. know if it's gonna be that easy when yeah. it comes to the final rankings though it'll be Kawhi one Giannis two we'll see and Every Greek fan will be buying tickets to Chicago to beat the shit out of us. <laughs> um, we will see. I, I love Giannis, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll tease it a little bit more. But I, I love Giannis, but you know who won the ring? You know. All right. So, anyways, let us know your your top ten. Let us know your top three as well. Is it LeBron, Jimmy, uh, Paul George? Uh, flip Jimmy and Paul George. Uh, as, yeah, as I just Paul feel like George there's too, such a drop off in like this position. Sucked. Yeah, I mean this shockingly because it used to be Kawhi and. Paul George and Jimmy Butler and uh, you know, LeBron James and, and Giannis, I think, at a, at a point, too. And now it's just totally fallen off. We're yeah. just three guys Everybody's, inside of close. Because they've all clumped. Now we've got to space them out as far as their actual position. So yeah. it works out that way, though. Well, and now teams are getting smart and putting all the guys that were, like, all the great 30 guys mm-hmm. just at different positions so their teams are yeah. better. Just play all uh, the wings. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the biggest thing. We're not seeing, like, uh, Marvin Williams out where we are, but, like, we're not seeing... <laughs> You know these garbage fours out there anymore. We're actually seeing guys who are talented and you yeah. know, athletic and you know yeah, great the four fantastic scores. Evolved so much in the last decade. Yeah. So let us know your thoughts on our rankings. Ricky will be back next week. Thanks for watching, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.